Who do you like on other than Katya? <clears throat> do you know who wins? No. Okay. Um, it was spoiled for me on the internet. Yeah, I don't know who. I don't know who wins. So Seven. Yeah, I was. T- I tweeted about it. I tweeted someone lasts longer than someone else when yeah. someone else went home. That I, and they were like, "Well, that person won." <sighs> and I was like, "Why do you think I would tweet that if I knew that?" Does that mean Pearl wins? Don't tell I won't me. Tell you. I have such a crush on Pearl. I love Pearl. Pearl is my type. That is like all of that, like Twinkie but slightly acneed and like with a lazy eye. That is my type. That is what I'm into. Well, but she, I don't. I don't love Pearl's drag. She pulls it together. Her. If you're oh. still early on. Well, I'm. I'm the episode after. I, I, so Trixie Mattel just came back. Okay. And I knew Trixie didn't last very long, but mm-hmm. I was gobsmacked when Pearl knocked her out, because Pearl really was sleepwalking through that, and Trixie was mm-hmm. acting out every single word of the song, which can be kind of tacky. But yeah. Anyway, I was telling Ben, season seven is one that like I just caught bits of like at friends apartments and i'm i'm filling in the gaps i'm watching the whole thing but when katya talks as suze Jorman talks about throwing in a bag of hot nickels <laughs> it just devastates me every single time <laughs> i was saying to ben i've watched i had watched i've watched that snatch game a million times but i'd never actually seen the episode that i was in and it changed everything it was like watching it for the first time yeah With getting all, the context getting mm. the getting the katya context of her breaking down and having to talk to miss fame mm. It's it. I cried. I actually cried. I don't remember this season at all. It there are some good gals, but I feel like it is largely forgettable. Yeah. I might not have watched it honestly, or I maybe I watched like Ginger the tail end. Of I it. do too. Ginger Minj is someone who I would see. In, oh, in I did watch it. I just stopped midway through. I think there's a reason that Katya is the narrator of the season because she's right. like the only one who really has enough personality right. to guide the talking heads into mm-hmm. a full story. Mm-hmm. I mean, they cut to her every single time Rue leaves the workroom and Katya like catches up. Like, so we have to do this. Like, <laughs> she's just so expressive and zany, I love and I her love her. So much. And I love that Brian on, on the first challenge Brian. that she for the the born naked and the rest is drag challenge. She actually just comes out like with nude, completely nude. <laughs> I love that. and when flashes she her bends hole over. Uh-huh. <laughs> to the judges. That's right, wow. she bends over and just shows her hole. Yes, huh? queen. Queen mm. of drag. Speaking of holes, um, under the Silver Lake at Cannes, <laughs> we, we we turned on the microphone. Andrew Garfield's hole. We turned on the mic so we could capture whatever we what were talking we, we were already we were already midway through a conversation about can before we started recording we correct were. yeah we were talking we were about we're under we. the silver lake now we're to- and it's now mixed we're gonna, response but how yeah. i will love it because i mean no matter what no matter what the movie's about it's, and you it's, like it follows. it's him looking like that for two hours and twenty minutes, he looks. It's so an A good. plus film. He looks so good in, in the character. I also, looks like I loved he's not trying. So he looks like he he woke up like this. Like he rolled out of bed. He's got the disheveled hair. Mm-hmm. He like throws on the sort of baggy but tight in all the right places t shirt. Mm-hmm. He's so hot. I remember like a year ago, I tweeted that he aged. He's aging really poorly, and someone was like, "He's only like 30. and I was like, "That's the point." He's 30. I remember that that I that, guess I that, 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 that Twitter that Twitter exchange. I guess I that he was thirty. And he me just, just always looks vehemently defending you know? him. He just always looks twenty four years old to me. He's no, just still at the social. He network. looks late twenties to me. But what is he thirty? Well, I yeah, twenty four like might a, be a stretch. I think he looks like a young forty. 
I look at the screen and I think it depends. It depends on the role. It depends what he's doing. And under the silver light, he doesn't look that old. He just he looks very youthful and like vibrant. Yeah, and like often he looks like tired and puffy. In silence, (laughs) he looked dead. Well, yeah. Gaunt was sort of the look. Yeah. There, I'm trying to think. What movie did was I like? Hacksaw, oh, he looked very sprightly. No, I never saw didn't. it. He never will. terrible in Hacksaw. Oh, Red. I think he looks vibrant his first young and young until he's covered in soot. I think he looks very bad. But and again, I only parts. have seen 30 minutes I, I would it. argue that, that True. Acting, That's all you need. I would argue that acting in a Mel Gibson movie and then standing up for the director afterwards is a bad look no matter what. So True. no matter how sprightly how he may <laughs> look, it's he, not a good look. He didn't look good. That whole circuit. Nobody looks good. He's 34. He's, wow. He's, he'll be 35 in August. He looks 34 years old. He does. He he is equidistant between my age and 40. We are not at all peers. This is 40. You're not 27. You are 27. Yeah, I am, bitch. You turned 27? Turned 27. I'm a fresh-faced baby. Uh. I'm a twonk, bitch. (sighs) (laughs) Um... Nice callback to the Zama episode. I know, sound, I'm tempted to just, like, sound. make sound effects, but I'm like, wait, no, that's... Mm. <laughs> that was exclusive content. I wish I had Pepto-Bismol. Oh, I, oh, do have, I do have Pepto-Bismol at home. The way... Oh, do I need to introduce the episode? I I wanted to ask a question about Can. Oh, yeah, sure. We can still talk about what can. is everybody looking forward to seeing? Because we can't really have a conversation <gasps> about burning. substance here. Burning yes. shoplifters. No, 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 no. Long no, no. journeys, world, and what? No, and only from the competition. I only get to pick oh, one. one movie, one film from the competition, or one element from one film and competition. What is it? One element. Just you know, it might be easier to start a conversation here if we're if we're focused. All right, someone else go. Okay, or it can be it can be six or seven things. <laughs> That's just how my mind works. Same. I just no, got real too. excited. To okay, if I had to pick control. one, if I had to pick one, it would be Shoplifters. And you are a Coriata fan. Yeah, I thought Into the Storm was great. That's the only one I've seen, though. In the Storm? Into the Storm. After, After the Storm. Jesus Christ. Some fan. the sky is finally open. Some fan. Right away, stop No, actually. You stuck out I after take the it, storm again. I take it all back. The new film from The Mountains Made. Oh, Ash is the purest. Zha Ka. Yeah, Ash yeah. is the purest white. Yeah. Purest I'm white very excited ass. about. I was going to say. <laughs> ass is the whitest ass. Ass is, I mean, ass is the whitest. Color. Yes. I, I'm gonna say I'm most excited for that because I loved Mountains Made Apart. But there's so you you stand really hard for Mountains Made Apart. So yeah, I truly do. It was Brandon like, loves a trip. What was in it was I, in case I'm not fuck forgetting anything. me if your credits start 40 minutes after the film <sighs> opens uh, and the movie's not, not even like that long. Fuck me, high. fuck me right up. <laughs> Ass is the warmest color. Ass is the warmest color. I was gonna say Zhao Tao is my most mm. anticipated after. This I festival. knew that's what you meant up. when you said an element <laughs> or an element. Yeah. You meant specifically. I meant Zhao Tao, but we can yeah. or Zhao Tao, but we can also. Uh, I can come up with another one. I'm looking forward to. Uh, well, there's a lot of Asian burning. cinema to be excited about out of Cannes. Yes, burning. Burning. I have not seen Shoplifters. Neither have I, but poetry is on its way, I think, from the Edendale branch of the Los Angeles nice. Public Library to the Eagle Rock branch of the Los Angeles Public oh, Library. Oh, nice. And I'm, I, I'm very excited for Black Klansmen. Oh, yeah. Um, Naturally. I'm, I'm really looking Spike forward Lee to Cold War. Is, Spike Lee is one of the people oh, yeah, that Cold War. And Hell yeah. It's just like, it means a lot to me that he has a movie that is being celebrated, even if it's mixed at this point. Um, it's. I think it'll do well at the Oscars because 
it makes a statement and it's the him. actors clearly love it. That's it, what matters. I I'm totally with Spike when he says don't call the comeback because I had a Spike Lee. I think a lot of people that I know had a Spike Lee movie on their top 20 list a couple years ago with Chirac, which I think we've talked about on the podcast here before. Yeah, that movie just got ignored My for some 10, reason. Baby. Well, when people talk about, like, what I've heard about Black Klansman is, like, a lot of, he juggles a lot of wildly uneven tones that doesn't totally gel together, but mm-hmm. by the end it makes such an undeniable, potent impact yeah. that that mess becomes sort of the charge that leads up to the explosion. And I'm like, that's... Chirac. Right. You know. I agree. I need to see Chirac. And I, I just feel like this. so good. What am I doing? It's not like calling it a comeback is would be as if he wasn't working, but he's been working more than he he's ever ne- has. He's never stopped working. If you like remember the old IMDb, boy remake, so much cuz he had volume. that Blood Jesus Stone yeah, movie. The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Yep. Uh he did the She's Got to Have It TV show mm-hmm. on Netflix. He directed every episode. He did? Yeah, oh, he I didn't does know that. uh documentaries all the time yeah. he films plays and musicals yeah he does concerts it's the man is constantly working it's just they haven't been buzzy yeah in well, the they just, conversation they have like they haven't is. been that archetypical awards bait film which yeah. spike lee really has never made i mean i guess miracle at saint anna at almost 10 years ago would be his closest like grab mm-hmm. for some sort of more traditional awards yeah. type of story. I mean, you could say Malcolm X. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, like, in the last oh, 15 years or so. <laughs> anyway, I'm really looking forward to Black Klansman as well. I'm looking Same. forward to Cold War quite a bit. Cold I am War. too. Loved Ida. Yeah. Loved Ida. You have the poster. And this, Yes, I have the poster in my closet. This is another example. Before we got on mic, I was saying, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like Under the Silver Lake. I didn't read any reviews, but all the blurbs I see in the tweets. Everyone who's pro, who's saying that it's like... Yeah, it's messy and it's over long and it meanders, but it has this whole tone that's really compelling. A lot of people who don't like it are saying like it's messy, it's digressive. Like everybody's saying the same thing basically. And but I, but it's just whether you I, like that. And or I not. like that kind of thing. And even yeah. if it's pastiche, I don't care. And that is sort of how I feel about what some folks were saying negatively about Cold War, which is that it's so austere. The direction is. Air, it is airtight to the point of being hermetically That's sealed. That's what Ida, Ida was, I'm like, though. yeah, I know. I love Paul Polkowski's style. Like, bring it. Like, put a fucking, you were never really here, plastic bag on my head and suffocate <laughs> me, bitch. Oh, my God. I love austerity in the films. Not so much Same. in my politics. Speaking of which. Fuck Margaret Thatcher. Speaking of austerity. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The work of Paul Schrader. Oof. Nice segue. Thank you. I mean, we don't have to segue, but that we can. No, it's time. It actually would be sort of on theme this week for the film to not go on for 40 minutes before we introduce the title card of the show and to actually keep it sort of austere and And tight. 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 We've been seeing a lot of tight 90s. Well, I went to one, but you guys have been seeing a lot of tight 90s. Uh, Bergman, baby. Bergman-a-thon. Yeah, but I will say, I saw Barry Lyndon on the big screen at the New Art on Saturday morning. Not a tight 90. And then I saw Ingmar Bergman's The Magic Flute, which... Also not a tight 90. I gotta tell you, I will treasure that film-going experience for the rest of my life. Two and a half hours has an intermission, so before... I'll share this story, and then I'll shut the fuck up, but at the Arrow last night, I arrive for The Magic Flute, and, you know, the KCRW, life is human. <laughs> you know, that whole thing. My favorite it's, commercial. <laughs> it's not a radio station. It's human inspiration. It's human inspiration. <laughs> like Terry Gross. Human inspiration. 
So that happened. <laughs> I when me and Ben went to I'm see Wild Strawberries. Things. Please open the popcorners. When me, sorry, quick sidebar to the sidebar. Me and Ben went to see Wild Strawberries, and when KCRW played, I leaned over and said, "Your favorite commercial." <laughs> I was. I told Ben at one of the movies we were at recently there that I don't know why, but every time I watch it, like transfix, like <laughs> I stare. Yeah, and, and it's so I've hard. Seen it Fifty times, and I don't like it. But every time I'm like, I do like that. You just teal want to support. That they, we're ta- so we're talking about. You just like that hot guy at pans too. I don't think he's hot. He's not really my type. Again, right. I like a lazy eye twink, but with a little bit of acne, maybe a hat. Okay, we get it. You like pearl. I like I like a I like I like a pearl figure who looks like they're not the monster behind the dumpster in Mulholland Drive, oh. but they may have spent one night there. Oh. You know, that's nice. what I'm into. Anyway, so what we were talking about there's a KCRW which is a NPR station in Santa Monica. There's a, the same fucking commercial that plays every single time at the American Cinematheque anyway. After that was done, the staff member walked up and was like, hey, everybody. Was it the one who introduced it Cries was, and Whispers or it, was it the other guy? No, it was neither of them. Oh. Although I will say, sorry, I'm really sorry. We're getting very regional right I know, now. I know. So, but, but when I there went was to, a Bergman. The, well, no, the, Berg, the Bergman Centennial Retrospective was happening all over the country. Yeah. So please, if you live near um, any major city, look it up because there's a decent chance that at least Cries and Whispers or something's going to come to your mm-hmm. town. Or just rent it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, or Filmstruck. Not Amazon Prime. Filmstruck or Amazon. But when, like I so, did. so, sorry. I know I'm getting digressive. We're doing digressions to the digressions to the digressions. But hold on, hold on. So, so anyway. But wait, so, so this is not the story, but when I went on Friday to see The Virgin Spring, this woman went up who I'd never seen before, who was probably a little bit younger than us, and she was like fucking dead pla- deadpan Aubrey Plaza just went up and was like, all right, so we're here for The Virgin Spring, and then we're going to play The Devil's Eye. Thanks for coming. If you're not a member... Might want to consider becoming a member, and um, I'll see you next time. And then she turned off the mic and put it. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Talk about a tight ninety <laughs> seconds. I love. Wait, her. wait. Talk about the guy who, uh, when asked, oh, okay, he, so how okay, he yeah, heard yeah, about yeah, yeah, the program. So, so the other thing about going to the Arrow or the Egyptian theaters in Los Angeles is that they have you know a staff of volunteers who are there at every single screening, and there's always one person with a clipboard who is standing right near the ticket taking booth. And they stop every single person and say, hi, how did you hear about our screening tonight? And, you know, like I'm sure all the three of us say it's just like website. And it's like, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And then he asked somebody else and they're like, heard it from a friend. Okay, thank you so much. So at the Arrow yesterday, um, this tall, older gentleman wearing, you know, like a, like a, butt, like a, like a baggy polo buttoned down and then fucking uh, khaki pants and shit. And there's like a mop of white hair. <laughs> They take his ticket, and the volunteer says, excuse me, sir, how did you hear about tonight's screening? And without stopping, he just barrels right past her and goes, I'm here all the time. <laughs> it's truly uh, just going future. to be me. Well, and then, and then he sat right in front of me. You were looking into... Do you ever have those well, moments? Well, Ben had a funny comment. I don't remember what it was. Is this Looper? Oh, is it Looper? <laughs> I, I always have those moments, and it's usually at a movie theater where, like, I see, see I see You're my future, but in reverse. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking see. at my future, not my past. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So mine most recently actually happened at Avert Your Ears, gays. No. Oh God. At Deadpool two. At Deadpool two. Oh. There was this old. I'm dead in the pool of my own blood. <laughs> I will defend. No, I will not do that here. I'm actually going to pen a think piece. Um, I would read that. 
Actually, you can talk to Lauren about it. She didn't hate it. Thank you, Lauren. She likes comic books and their movies adaptations. I, I can actually pretty coherently like defend Deadpool. All right, I won't I do it here. It, I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying I can. Anyway, the point is, I saw my future. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> I don't need to hear that. Um, anyway, there's this old guy with a large popcorn sitting alone, my, also a mop of gray hair, and I was like, that's me seeing this dead, Thursday night. That's me seeing Deadpool 14. This guy mm-hmm. turns around to a stranger and goes, you know, this movie is the only thing keeping the Marvel Cinematic Universe in check. <laughs> that's the title of my think piece. Thank you very much. Coming soon. Coming soon to a blog spot. <laughs> dot com <laughs> no live journal oh i missed oh. my live journal a couple of m- I had a years Zen ago God. i went through i found my live journal did you I delete it? it i don't think no. i could find mine but i had some gems one time my car got stolen and that was my most like robust emotional mm. outpouring piece mm. Mm. A spear through the soul. I love the soul went through the windshield. I love getting home and just logging about your life and being passive aggressive. Yes, because there's those there's those circle there are those circle of friends you know who like might see your live journal mm-hmm. so you made sure to like allude to them. You know, I started like a whole like adults thing totally don't do this on at Twitter school. Now. <laughs> like I, I like quoted lauren hill mm-hmm. i was like guess who this is about <laughs> like everyone at school was talking about it for a week you're such a you're gossip XOXO. gossip girl speaking of the end i was gonna try to do a segue well speaking of austerity um keeping it all inside all right uh i'll introduce one nice thank you um speaking of journaling you know i never journaling there's the segue that's what the a24 challenge should have been for first reformed i will journal more journal more one year and then i will shred it and burn burn it. it and it will be the end of the experiment my words drive me crazy i hate myself same I will be tearing out these two pages because I did not like the diction. (laughs) (laughs) So the film we are here to discuss is Paul Schrader's latest film. What number film is it for him? I don't know. I want to to be able to say his insert number here film. um, Hold on. First Reformed starring Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, who we'll talk about later. I'm a huge fan oh, of his, especially the past few years. Oh, so good in this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a perfect role. Like, perfect casting. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, we're here to talk about his latest film. Not Cedric the Entertainer. Well, it is Cedric the Entertainer's 20th. latest film. His 20th film. What? 20th film. Rewind. Take it back. As a director. Paul Schrader's so 20th film. First Reformed. I'll open it up. To you boys. Why? Well, you have to introduce the show. Oh, oh right. No. What? Who are we? What are we doing? What's this the name is, of the show, Brandon? This is no longer Horses IMO. Horses IMO is dead. We're now Priests IMO. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Taking the cloth. We're Movies IMO. I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben Empey. I'm Father Daniel Crook. Mm. Nice. Uh, and yeah, we're going with a bit of a Paul Schrader theme, a bit of a priest theme. We saw some priest films, thanks to Bergman. Um, yeah, first reform. So you I guys, wish did Dyer you guys of a see Country it? Priest had been 
homework required because yeah. I did take the time to rewatch it, and there are so many things that are just he just stole them. And I mean, winner, and like, winner, winner light, light, it is directly it's, ripped. I mean, the yeah. dynamics like there's a lady who desperately wants to save his life, yeah. the guy he who kills herself, the, who, a guy whose wife comes to the priest and says, yeah. "Please look after my husband. Uh-huh. He's having a very contemporary fear." And winner light, he's scared of the nuclear bomb. In yep. First Reform, he's scared of climate change and global yeah. warming, and then they both shoot themselves the, in the head. The yeah. scene in um, First Reform, when the, the when the truck pulls up to carry off the body, is like, is like exactly, it's almost framed the yeah. same as like the winter light, yeah. and the, the the aspect ratio is the yeah. same. It's like, it's, I mean, also, has the, he said? I mean, Bergman is a major influence on him. There's no way it's an accident. I mean, but also, yeah. like, the, the shot... Um, the shot um, progression between Ethan Hawke delivering a sermon just directly uh-huh. in the middle of the frame with yep. sort of like the proscenium of the chapel behind him. And then the reverse shot is a mostly empty church yep. mm-hmm. or a chapel. And that's the exact same With like seven people opening. sparsely placed throughout the pews. Yeah. That's winter light. And then he delivers communion. Like it's, and it's not like a, I mean, it is a pretty blatant ripoff. By the way, this is like foreign, I fucking, this movie is a masterpiece as far this as I'm concerned. So. Great. Um, in Diary of Country Priest, he's the whole movie is he's writing his journal, mm-hmm. and there's the narration. And I mean, it's it's the titular diary. It's the titular of the country diary, priest. and he's dying of cancer, and he can only eat bread soaked in wine because that's the only thing he can keep down because of his stomach pain. It's literally the same. Yeah, affliction. It's also Hawk so- is eating what bread soaked bread in and whiskey, whiskey, which whiskey. is so Taxi Driver. A yes. film that he wrote. Yeah, the shot of the Pepto Bismol is the same shot as the Alka Seltzer. In Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All, this is just everything that Paul Schrader has been working towards his entire career. I'm so upset yeah. that I haven't seen Paul Schrader's Cat People because that would be the perfect oh, film to derail this conversation I with again and again it. and again. Yeah. Definitely check out the Jacques Tourneur Cat People if you've never oh, seen I it. Oh, I sure have. Love Cat People! Same. We're Cat People. Two Cat Me, People yeah. at this table. Wow. Yeah. Did you guys see First Reform together? It was Accidentally! Accident. How I was seeing with fun La- is that I was seeing with Lauren. So fun, <laughs> and then Daniel walked in. Yes, wow. and and my my side of the story is that I parked my car and I bought a ticket and I got a single americano and walked in and it, who would have guessed there was wow. Ben and Lauren in the front row? What theater were you at? The arc lights. Oh, ew, but nice. <laughs> also, how? Cinemia. Y'all are still members? Yeah. Yeah. They haven't raised my price. They haven't raised mine. They jacked me up to 20 a month. I was like, bye. Oh, mine is 20 a month. I can't pay that. Anyway. um, The fact of the matter is the ticket's $18 at the Arclights. And And I love going to the Arclight, and it's the closest movie theater in my house. I don't like the Arclight. You you would love going to the Arclight right now. You know why? I haul my ass over to the landmark. They have Deadpool and Cable's costumes behind glass. Whoa, could you believe it? But you know what? It's probably if you let Brandon Kirby in that arc light, he would be like, you know, taking one of those like cartoon cat thief things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On the glass, like the circle thing that you put on like drills Uh a hole, Mm -hmm. and then Brandon would like stick his hand in and grab the suit. Oh, I would love to just steal Mm -hmm. the original Deadpool suit. I bet you would, and just wear it around town. I bet you. Just I'm bisexual, but I never kiss a boy. He's pansexual, and he wants to (laughs) fuck Colossus the whole second movie. Wow. Is it played for laughs that he wants to fuck Colossus? <sighs> That's, a yes. That's exactly right. Yes, it is played for laughs, oh. and I'm aware of the problematic elements of that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna cat glass. I'm gonna cat woman with my That's nail what I mean. yeah. glass. Pluck it out. Wear the suit. 
book a flight to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then torment Matt Asparmer. Is that where they that. shot the film? No, but he hates Deadpool. Yes. Friend of the pod, Friend Matt Asparmer. I hates Deadpool, and I'm going to taunt him. I don't know about your viewing experience. You know, I want to talk. It's fun. It, I, I think something we need to get on the record is that this is a fun movie. First Reformed? Oh, yeah. This is a fun fucking movie. Man. I was pretty lit. And what was interesting <laughs> about... I, He's not joking, I don't think. No, I was, too. I was No, I was more lit during First Reformed than Dead Fart 2. Wow. You can't call it Dead Fart 2 if you gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Hey. Those are the rules. Hey. I, I actually disagree with you on that. Thank okay. you. I think you can make fun of anything, even if you love it. Thank you. Okay, that's fine. So my, I went to see Thursday night, so quote-unquote opening. It was the first show. It was right. opening. It was opening. It was the first show. Quote-unquote, no quotes. Who sits down in front of me? Can I name the name? I, I love when yeah. you name names. He doesn't listen to this. It certainly wasn't the celebrity you saw who wanted to walk out of First Reformed. Who sits down in front of me? Chris Messina. For Deadpool 2? What? No, First Reformed. Oh, you're actually telling the story? Should I not? Oh! Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that there was someone who sat in front of you at Deadpool 2, and then I was saying... It was Ryan Reynolds! <laughs> <laughs> um, it was TJ Miller, and then I kicked him in the head. Wow. Nice. Get out of here, you. You're not welcome in this town. Should I tell the Christmasina story? I think it's fine. Who gives a shit? Sure. Anyway, um... Was he with his friends? Yes, he had two friends. Did he clap him. back at the screen when Aidy Bryant didn't have enough to do? Wait, what? The Greta Gerwig thing. Huh? Didn't You guys definitely heard about this. What did he do now? No, that woman who live tweeted her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, what Ex- about that? Oh, you know, I never actually read the thread. I didn't read the because thread. Because I heard either. people saying, this can't be real. I read the whole thread. Is it real? I think it's real. Although, did y'all know that Busy Busy Phillips on her Instagram story addressed? She was like, "Greta called me and was like, none of it's true. Uh, we weren't we weren't making fun of the movie, and I didn't even have a large soda." And Busy, see, like, I feel like but, it was made up. But, but Busy, but she was at the screening. But Busy is talking to her phone, but talking to Greta. And it's like, you know, I told Greta because Greta's not on social media, and more power to her. Like she says, she can't handle it. And I told her, like Greta, that's what these people are like. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's how it goes. People exaggerate. And she's saying this in bed, like holding the phone, like her head on the pillow, mm-hmm. just reading some stranger uh, the riot act. That's so it was good. special. But because it was Busy Phillips, it was still somehow sort of upbeat. Yeah. I Fucking love Kim that. We all know who played Kim Kelly's mother on Freaks and Geeks. I Busy don't Phillips. Remember. And no Busy no, Phillips no. is Kim Kelly. Oh. And Dowd. <laughs> Is that right? What? Yeah, Ann Dowd. It's been so long since I've watched it, and mm-hmm. I didn't have a concept of Ann Dowd then. How yeah, great. I love Ann Dowd. Yeah. I'm not going to tell the Christmas scene of story. But, but he was there. But he was there. But he sat in front of me, and I'll just fast forward to the part where after the movie, he was like, I wanted to walk out. Anyway. A I lot of the whole story. There's more? There's details I haven't even shared with you guys. What? Some? Okay. We can cut it if you want. It doesn't need to be cut. We ain't got no <laughs> the, fact that he, the fact that we'll he said he, he walked out, like, that's the worst of the story. But the fun part of the story is every movie I bring... I, like, every movie I bring a, you know, I eat a large-ass popcorn for myself. That's why I was that. It's a special treat. It's a special treat. Given to you by you. So I I think I eat pretty quietly, but there's this woman, because uh, Chris Pacino's right in front of me, and then to the left, there was a woman... Mindy Kaling has a name, Brandon. It was not Mindy Kaling. Some woman um, 
was chowing down, like being really, really bad about her. In first reform, like really bad about her popcorn intake. Like clearly she like missed breakfast, lunch, dinner, and breakfast, lunch, dinner the day before because (laughs) Mm -hmm. she was eating like she had never eaten food before. She's leaving her manners on the floor. And Chris Messina leans forward and looks over at her. Like in disbelief, and turns to his friends, like get a load of this, you know. He's not paying attention to the movie. I'm distracted because Chris Messina is like making a scene about this woman just trying to eat popcorn. She finally completes her meal. She like wipes her napkin really, really loud, like whips out a wet one, (laughs) puts everything under her seat, readjusts herself, and literally like. 35 minutes in the movie, now she's going to pay attention. So he's got cancer or what? Because her meal is done. Me, I pack like a bird the whole movie, so I'm not, it's not a meal, I'm just grazing. But I got self-conscious because Chris Messina would keep looking. <laughs> he would keep looking, but he was just like, he was so bored with the movie, yeah. he was just like looking to his friends for reactions. Uh-huh. But I thought he was looking back up at me and my popcorn eating, because every time I crunched, like he would like look, and I was like, oh my god, you're like, I thought you deserved the Emmy nomination and he... for the project. <laughs> Don't look at me. I thought you deserved your Oscar nomination for Live Look Fart Night. You were the one good performance in that goddamn movie. <laughs> anyway. Chris Messina is... A, I love Chris Messina. I love Chris Messina. I love him in You've Got Mail. I didn't love... What? When is that episode happening, by the way? Oh, yeah. We need to... With Ben's it. mom. There will be a week. Ben's mom, if Vicky is going to be It was supposed to happen in, like, You've April. Got Mail. I know. It's, it's supposed almost to happen. June. I know. Um, anyway, I, uh, June gloom, gloomy yes. days and nights, the earth is dying, I'm a priest, bringing it all back home. Wait, I just want to, I just want to, the whole point of this Christmas Cena thing, I've been talking too long, is the walkouts. He wanted to walk out, he did not walk out, but actually I had a total of six people walk what? out. That's a lot. Six people we walk out of this movie. walk out. And then we went on a Sunday morning, we went to the service. And I want to, I want to fast forward before. really quick to the ending because the minute the ending happened, I thought back to the girls who uh, were in my screening of Florida Project, and they said, that was the most abrupt ending oh, right. I've ever seen! Because <laughs> I, I, like, I wish they saw First Reform. <laughs> I love that. But, Boy. Brandon, Brandon, that is the uh, farthest reach of a callback in the movie's IMO history. Wow. You but stretch back 30 episodes. When Seriously, when First Reformed cut to black, I thought... After they're waltzing Matilda? I thought... It was an error in the production. I was like, wait. And I then, did too. And then, but then I was like, no, no, no. Th- this is the end of the movie and I love it. But then I, my second thought was immediately to those girls. And I was like, imagine girls. if they. I had, bet they did. <laughs> They're like, that was the most abrupt ending. Mm. It's become like A24's calling card is the abrupt ending. <laughs> oh yeah, this was A24. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, so when I went to go see Bergman's The Magic Flute, there was this French couple sitting On the me. day that you saw First Reformed. Yeah. That's a lot of film. Scene. Oh my god. So, I saw a book club after. The Magic Flute is one of the nice most fun movies cleanser. I have ever seen. So it's Bergman directing a movie of Bergman's stage production of Mozart's opera The Magic Flute. Mm-hmm. Sven Nickfist just like Giving you everything, giving you close-ups, giving you wide shots with, like, weird dancing symmetry in the frame. Like, people popping up and being like, <laughs> like, it's just, like, unfucking believable But there was this French couple behind me that was talking through the whole movie. Are you serious? And I had to pull a Christmas scene and be like, excuse me. Could you hear the woman talking during Wild Strawberries? No, what like, was happening? Behind, and it was in Swedish. She was honestly good for her. She's allowed to do that. She would speak. She was... 
quietly l- whispering in Swedish whenever something would happen to whoever she was Was she with. hanging upside down from the ceiling doing crunches and, and practicing her Duolingo yes. Swedish? Yes. <laughs> like Richard Gere and American mm-hmm. Gigolo? Oh, speaking I of. It. I got that. Mm. Did, I got that ref. Did you guys rewatch? I watched, watched the first 30 minutes and then I had to go. Have you seen it before? No, but I fucking loved it. Oh, okay. It's the best movie. You I, were wrong. Can we talk about First Reform? I I'm very aware that I'm wrong, but I don't know. I just... You, maybe you need to watch it again. We don't need to go there right maybe now. Maybe it wasn't what you thought. So the it opening credits of First Reformed mm-hmm. are in this beautiful cursive. Oh, yeah. The title of the movie is in quotes. I love that. Quote, mm-hmm. First Reformed. Well, it makes it... Feel it's, like a folktale or feel like a parable. It's very like a 1940s mm-hmm. opening yeah. credits sequence. Yeah. Yes. And I think maybe now we'll talk about the aspect, the aspect ratio. Yeah. yeah. But it's in, is it the Academy ratio? I don't think it is. It's not, I but it's, it's in, a little wider. It's boxy. It's yeah. boxy. And I think it does two things. And the first thing it does, tying to what Ben just said about the font, tying it into this like historical tradition, like an older type Can't of movie. Can't wait to take a screenshot of that font. Oh, yeah. And put it on Twitter. Hell yeah. Well, you know, nice. some of our greatest filmmakers got their start by screenshotting I images of title cards and films. Yeah. And yeah. That's sort of where they got their start in this industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really incredible how that really is a launch pad. I mean, it's brave. Yeah. It shows really good taste. Mm-hmm. I think that the... Well, I think that's brave. I think that's brave. I'm just going to call it the Academy Ratio rather than like 1 to 1.37. Right. But it ties it into a sense of history which makes me think about the ever-present climate change in the film and that the world is ending and dying and that it ties it in. Like, it's like all those movies that you saw in this aspect ratio once upon a time, it becomes part of the same tradition. And then, of course, yeah. the other thing is that by getting rid of... No, there's tr- 1.37. That's what I said. 1.37. Oh, I thought you said something. Oh, no, I said I'm not going to say that because it's just easier to say Academy Ratio, yeah. even though it's not the Academy it's not Ratio. Quite, but it is a little wider. But the other thing about the aspect ratio is that by removing like a third of the frame, it removes hope from the frame. It becomes inescapable. It's, claustrophobic. it's claustrophobic. As is the truth that the world is burning and melting right now, and there's really nothing we can do about it because we missed our chance, Mm -hmm. and Donald Trump is in the White House, and the Republican... Okay, but we know where I'm going. I don't need to take a... We know where I'm going with this. It it zaps all the hope out of the frame, Mm -hmm. and it was a really brilliant choice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm just going to say, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. And uh, that, uh, that aspect ratio helps you highlight the human face absolutely and yeah the close-ups on ethan hawk that first whole conversation he has with the husband oh, mm-hmm. which is like a 10 minutes it's yeah, a long it reminded scene. me of what is the movie the logan lerman movie oh Annihilation. Um, yes. indignation <laughs> yes i knew what you were going I for w- no, the the back and forth between yeah. him and Tracy, and Tracy Letts. Letts. Yeah, it reminded me of that. And it goes on There's for so long, intensity. and then the way it like includes his like the when you we get his inner dialogue, it's uh-huh. like just it's God, amazing. That, that whole scene is just perfect. Well, he's presenting this sort of placid front to the whole thing. He is he is speaking on behalf of God, although the character would not take would not say something quite that. Um, uh, pretentious isn't the word, but he 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 wouldn't claim to be speaking audacious. for God. That's not quite what I mean either. But audacious, sure. 
he's just presenting this sort of calm, cool, collected front, speaking on behalf of the church, speaking on behalf of faith, to just get through it, man. Mm-hmm. So and, he's talking to Amanda his- Seyfried's husband, who is a huge uh, global warming guy. And Amanda Seyfried, his wife, is pregnant, and he is having a whole existential crisis about bringing a child into the world yeah. when the world it will fall into ruin and will become a uh, poisonous yeah, fireball. His, his reasoning is like, why Why would I bring my daughter into the, or daughter or son into this world? And they grow up and they realize the world is any, and they look and back at it. me and mm-hmm. say, you brought me into this world and you knew I was going to die yeah. because yeah. the world is burning around me. I was going to choke on carbon monoxide. But what I also love about this is that even the, like, the front that Ethan Hawke's yeah. character puts up, like it's like good stuff he's saying. It's not like priesty bullshit. Like no. it actually is like pretty good. And as he says in the scene, it's actually he, pretty like nice lo- things you'd want to hear. He lost a son in Iraq, and mm-hmm. he, the his family, like he served, his dad served, his grandpa served. They have a history of service in the family, so he encouraged his son to serve, and his son died six months into the war, or you know six months after leaving. So he's been through some shit. Mm-hmm. There's he's not and he's also dying of cancer and he knows it whether mm-hmm. or not he'll go to the doctor he knows right. that this is pretty much the end so he's not bullshitting the guy but yeah Brandon he is offering sort of words of wisdom and comfort but I love that you brought this up because I love the inner monologue so much when he's like we went back and forth for an hour and then we just like see him just like listening but not seeming to give away too much of his inner monologue and then mm-hmm. he goes it was fascinating. <laughs> <And> <laughs> there are some great jokes in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There are. I, mean, I love jokes. It's mostly, it's mostly incredibly bleak, but mm-hmm. there are some fun. There moments. is humor. Yeah. Like, um, there, there are some, the underground railroad. Well, what's funny about <laughs> it is that he's getting so dark with yes. these kids. He's like, imagine it actually was reminding me of something from Ben's script. It's like, <laughs> it's like, imagine being down there, the hot air. <laughs> being in there with all the bodies i mean I don't, I don't, i'm not the joke is not about slavery it's just that like he's going the there joke is his utter intensity around seven-year-olds yes. yeah <laughs> yes the in his like glee yeah the biggest the biggest <laughs> laugh came for for my audience was when he is an, another parallel to winter light when he calls the woman out and is like i don't like you or whatever i despise you there was something he says He's like, you're a distraction? No, it's harsher. That's oh, something. No, but he oh, does say oh, that. I think they both oh, say that. Oh. Winter in this film. He says, he says, you're something. And like, it got a big laugh. He's like, you're... Lauren laughed. I remember Lauren yeah. laughed. Yeah, I did laugh. And I didn't laugh. I was glad she was laughing because like, I really was... It was sort of like, you were never really here. I didn't yeah. find anything funny in yeah. that. And you two found some humor in it. Mm-hmm. And at first reformed, it was like, the humor like comes a little bit from the intensity. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't about to laugh. I mean, I was like... It's the- I was terrified. Yeah. I-, I was in a cer- special circle of hell. I was thinking about my own death, my inevitable demise, and how mm-hmm. we're all fucked. And what's what's the purpose of it all? I kind of want to grapple... With some of the harder things in this movie, because you know we're all silly boys, but with what I think, well, just what our lives are amounting to. Well, so just take theory. our take our central character. <laughs> think about his job. Think about his job is to offer resolve and peace and hope in a to, world in that's a con- burning in a world that where there is no hope. So I don't know, just like what do we think about that dynamic between his identity, his role, and then him gradually coming to terms with the fact that. It's all bullshit. I'll start, I guess, which is that 
in the Virgin Spring, which I saw a couple nights ago at the Brooklyn Centennial, which I was floored by. I think it's a masterpiece and just like really brutal and hard to watch and genius. One of the main tensions in the film is between Christianity, like the advent of Christianity and then Norse, you know, Norse paganism mythology. Right. And the idea of whether like how can God be present in all of this when we have a character who is raped and murdered, when we have the the people who perpetrate like the, the murderers and the rapists, like that they sort of like walk free on some angle. Like anyway, there's I don't want to ruin too much, but there's a lot of questions of. How is there a god in any of this? How mm-hmm. does the Max von Sydow character end the film by seeking absolution when the, what he has done for the past 30 minutes is proof of his lack of godliness? The Virgin Spring, and I think Winter Light, comes from a place where God is dead or God maybe never existed. But I don't find that First Reform ever really indicts the idea of faith in the yeah. same way. No, It's much more an indictment on human hypocrisy yes yeah and it's i think it's also an indictment of uh corporations yes yeah yeah like it's very far the hypocrisy of the there will be blood yeah it's the hypocrisy of what's the name of the the big church abundant life yeah abundant life and super church and they're they're getting their financing from this large corporation corporation makes me think about who was it? Joel Austin in Houston, who has that enormous super church mm. and did not open his doors. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's complete hypocrisy, and it's it's this warping of faith. To like say- the guy in the the group meeting, yeah, like starts yelling about Americans aren't allowed to be prosperous and. Well, but because Ethan Hawke... He's offended by the notion that religion is right. for the poor. Meanwhile, people forget that Jesus turned over the tables mm-hmm. in the market, right? And then... The tax... The guy from Eastsiders is just like... So funny. The <laughs> guy <laughs> from <laughs> Eastsiders. Like it's can you, you it's, took me out of it. It's you versus the guy she told you not to worry about. Yes. <laughs> Are those He's two... just like, oh, the, you the, take the, this the, one. The, yeah, the youth, Eastsiders the guy's like, minister, I'm not Youth doing minister leader and Ethan Hawke. Yeah, youth minister. Can I? He, he goes. Guys. I believe we all know Reverend Toller, <laughs> and he's going to take this one. An element of a good example of humor. Mm-hmm. Can I say something controversial? Yeah, of course. I thought Ethan Hawke's character's Tolman, Tal- right? Toller, Toller. I thought Toller's like shift to his, you know, his Ooh, radical, his, his radical, his radicalization. I thought was a. Too predictable. Well, I do. I mean, you know that's I mean, where it's what the movie is. That, yeah. that is where it's going. But I thought, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. It. it I wanted it just because it is the logical thing to do if you're presented with this situation. Well, it's it's the yeah. che- the Chekhov's gun is the suicide bomber vest. Once that's introduced, you have an idea of where this is going, mm-hmm. yeah. and that he, these seeds of doubt that have been planted in his head since before the movie even begins are being right. watered. Ironically, that's like a weird metaphor to use for the death of the earth. But it, yeah, it seems inevitable. And like Ben was saying, that's like the whole, that's what the whole movie is about. Yeah. Is that, is that development? That that's from, where that's, that's where it's headed. That's yeah. blind, where he's Blind headed. certainty to inevitable acceptance of ruin. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. All right. I just wanted to bring no, it up. I feel you. It, it doesn't bother me, but it, I don't know. I was aware. I mean, if you think that's, it's too easy, that's fine. Yeah, maybe that's what I thought. It was too easy. 
I mean, I still really like the movie, obviously. Yeah. Um, the same rating as Deadpool 2 on Letterboxd. So. Okay, you, so know you know what? I, know you think I knew one of you motherfuckers <laughs> were going to bring that up That's because funny. I saw one right after the other and they're lined up perfectly. Oh, this oh, fucking dumbass God. thinks Deadpool 2 is as good of a movie oh, as First Reformed. <laughs> well, no, no, I did actually say that to him on his Letterboxd blog. He says, this movie is the only thing standing... In... What did you say? You know what? <laughs> what what is, what is your uh, Deadpool your two copy on this? Deadpool two is the only thing keeping Marvel in check, and I stand by that. And I commented, "Did you not just watch First Run? <laughs> <laughs> I was not saved. No. God, can God forgive? Not us, but just me. Can God? Someone's got to do something. <laughs> oh, that scene too. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about you the... were talking about abundant life. Is that what you want to talk about? Isn't the frame not the framing? Oh, doesn't Cedric the Entertainer just like spin around away from yes. Ethan Hawk to deliver like Once his Ethan final Hawk like, thoughts? Yes, we are poisoning the earth. Like, what culpability he, does man have? He wheels away from him. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so but it's good. I I find that character so fascinating because Cedric the Entertainer is playing that Joel Osteen. Um, uh, oh fuck, what's his name? Uh, uh, his last name's Dollar. There, there's a super. There's like a super priest. What are they called? The the. I we should have looked. Mega church. No. The mega it church. A, I don't know. It's mega it. church, but the priests are, have some name. You know, they're okay. bas- They're basically like Jesus Bros. Well, not yes. I love. They are like cult I love the, gods. Yes, that's yeah. Exactly. They're like cult figures, but I love that Brandon because that's the other element this brings into it. It's like the way that they're indoctrinating the youth of these super church, these mega churches, by being like, you know, Jesus was just like you and me, man. But um, what are you, what you grabbing there? I'm just there? gonna pull a text. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I, I too will pull a text. I'm going to pull George Orwell's 1984 <laughs> off the shelf. Mine is relevant. Mine is Notes on the Cinematograph by Robert Bresson. Oh, nice. Oh which yeah, is very a collection relevant. Of tweets. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a collection of tweets. <laughs> oh, sorry. And it is. Yeah, has a Schrader. So Schrader said he's largely inspired. Yeah, I, I was just gonna. I didn't mean to derail what someone was saying. It doesn't matter. But what about Brisson? But we're gonna have to talk about the transcendentalists. Yes, oh, and yeah. I've I've already sta- in the care in the Cedric the Entertainer character who is the reverend, the, like the priest, the CEO of a mega church that has scripture chiseled into, into the exterior the of it yeah. and on the walls, like just a total bastardization and appropriation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Is the opposite of transcendentalism. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is really nothing that has to do with the human soul, the soul. whatsoever. It has everything yeah. to do, and it's all surface. Just the for fact them. of, like the cinematic style of transcendentalism is a is a lot about austerity mm-hmm. and letting the audience impose their own feelings and beliefs and to do that you have to really strip away what's on screen yeah and abundant life does the opposite of that as a religion it clutters the space yeah and it clutters your soul with, with, soul with excuses and rationalizations soul. and lies when the cedric the entertainer when cedric the entertainer's character is on camera Oh, yeah. And he's talking about how, like, anxiety is... He's like, Jesus never had anxiety. Mm. And, of course, we know because Paul Schrader, the writer-director, wrote The Last Temptation of Christ. Right. We know exactly what he's trying to say there. But I do love the way that that illustrates how Christianity now is a weapon being wielded by selfish people who have no concern 
for the downtrodden or even for their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And I am not a Christian. I realize like I'm talking about the gospel. Like it makes, I grew up in the church, you know, I think, Same. did you? Yeah. Which I, one? The Presbyterian and then the Episcopalian church. Oh, you guys, you, you traded around? We traded. We traded nice. around. We all, I, I mean, I, I started, I think I'm baptized in the Baptist church. I grew up in the, in the church. South. I grew up Catholic AF. Nice. I was baptized. Were you confirmed? Baptized, confirmed, catechismed. Woo! Wow. All the shit. I was very... One away from, you know, you got four punches on your card, one away from a free... Yeah. I was not raised religiously, but I was raised very religious. Catholic in Mm. the way that you can be like culturally Jewish. I mean, maybe ask you if you're Catholic. I mean, I'm not. I'm not baptized because. So let's talk about Vicky for a minute. Mm. So my Mm. mom was married before she married my dad. She was married to a man, and they had my brother, my half brother. And uh, after my mom left her first husband because of abuse. Uh, St. Rose, which is famously on the list of churches at the end of Spotlight. <laughs> nice. Uh, the the priest at St. Rose refused to give my mom communion in the middle of church, <gasps> and she was like, "Never again! I'm out, baby!" <laughs> Never again. George Costanza. Oh my God! And I called my brother a bastard. Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Bastard and a bastard. A bastard and a bastard. Bastard and a bastard. <laughs> So we were not raised in the church, although everyone in the family was Catholic. So it yeah. was like Catholic by osmosis. <laughs> yes. Well, it's in your fucking blood. Mm-hmm. You're blood. Italian. Um, what was I saying? Or what were we saying? Transcendentalism. Transcendentalism. Yes. I was gonna. I was gonna. Pull Are you up. reading an excerpt? Um, if I can find it, but we can just talk about transcendentalism in general, which um, I. I talked about, I quote about this, that I fucking hate people who bring it up as if they have discovered it. As if Paul Schrader is, oh, is right. drawing from Brisson and Bergman and Ozu and Dreyer. And it's like, well, everybody's like, making their fucking Ozu movies. It's like he literally wrote the book on those four <laughs> filmmakers <laughs> and what they do. So it's not surprising um schrader by the way is another one of those don't call to comeback directors mm-hmm. right he's yeah because he's also making people are throwing that around actors yeah. for i mean did you dog eat dog a couple years ago um Jesus. whatever he talks about it's towards the end he talks about using what he called he doesn't like the the term actor because actor comes from the theater and he hates the idea that theater and film are similar mediums you should see bergman's the magic flute should he hmm. you wouldn't Whoa. believe how hmm. he ties these languages together and um he talks about models is the word he likes to use Same. for what actors no. are and that he so he calls ethan hawk his model i call yeah. him a model too and nice brasson was very uh rigorous about never casting someone that you would ever recognize mm. he refused to no star image no star bobby Brisson. and obviously first reform does not do that but he does use them in the same like nondescript way apart from the the three top build actors mm-hmm. basically everybody yeah. else is just a face from the yeah crowd. Mm-hmm. and that very well could have been like a commercial concession mm-hmm. on traders account but thank god because i think this is ethan hawk's best performance it's great yeah i honestly well better than the before trilogy 
better yeah. than Boyhood. Yeah, well, Boyhood is my. F- I've I thought about this. I've already have my. It's definitely all of it. like top Boyhood is three. probably my yeah. favorite Ethan Hawke performance. I think this is his most accomplished work as an actor. Hmm. I mean, it's really really stunning. Ethan Hawke has always been so good at like talking his way through a character, and I don't mean faking it. I mean the character is processing their emotions by not shutting their mouths. Mm -hmm. And First Reform is a really buried performance for the most part. That when he finally does start to break out of his shell with outward despair, you know it's it's shocking, but also completely it's breathtaking. Yeah. For an eleven forty-five a.m. show, I know <laughs> that was a lot. But also, just the physical pain that he endures. I mean, I don't think I need to say it, but Schrader is clearly painting him as some sort of a Christ figure. Mm-hmm. Down to the magical mystery tour where he and Amanda Seyfried are laying on top of each mm-hmm. other's bodies in oh, the Christ. Let's position talk with about the arms that. Outside. It becomes the never-ending story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, can we talk Fly about that through. scene? It, it becomes it, no. I I meant to. Uh, ask you this right after the movie it turns into soren over california from oh Disney. my god oh my god <laughs> yes it does <laughs> my favorite part of that scene is when set it up what's the scene okay so amanda seafried comes over to uh ethan hawk's home and she's like i need you i need your uh, I, I can't sleep or something she had a she, she had a nightmare you know stricken with night terrors yeah. yeah 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 so she she's like well. me, she's got a friend me and my husband used to do this thing called the magical mystery tour where she she lays with her arms outstretched and they just on lay top on top of him on top of him and they uh, synchronize their breathing and just stare into each other's eyes. And touch each other, like press their bodies against each other in every single possible way that they can. Yeah, like Total have as much contact with the other person as possible. So fully clothed, non Fully clothed, non Yeah. Ethan Hawke's like, well, do you want me to do this? And she's like, no. And then she's like, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> and they do it and they lay on top of each other and they go on this like, crazy like first we're in the stars and then we're in the fucking redwoods oh yeah we're like in the well, purple we, we cosmos go, we go from the green earth to the rad the ravaged earth yes. to to a tire yard mm-hmm. to the you the, know the rusted out land where in the, the husband has exactly been thrown yeah. mm-hmm. ashes the something kill is what mm-hmm. it's called my favorite part of this though is when amanda seyfried's hair falls um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at which I you, you wonder know, like PA, it's probably not do you think it was script do you think a PA dropped 100%. the hair 100% yeah, yeah. Okay. because before her hair fell I was like there's no way I'd like it took me out of the movie the that fact her that her hair, hair was wasn't not falling, falling. Yeah. I was like no way that is what that, that looks like so that's perfect that when it does you're like oh you need it you need and the moment fall. yeah it's got to be scripted because the moment that the hair does fall that's something when they start flying through the cosmos right? is it is it it's like soon after that yeah like, soon after like that. the timing is mm. speaking of transcendental mm. uh, they literally transcend this mortal coil. i had a moment at the end and of then the it f- just is a hard cut sorry no not at all i mean it, it's totally hypnotic and yeah. graceful and takes your breath away what does away. it cut to him entering the church right probably him like I pissing blood <laughs> something about like that yeah i did i did think at the end of the film and i don't i don't want to talk about that yet but when amanda seyfried's character shows up clearly she's a symbol you know we like, we'll talk about whether or not that actually happens in in the in the universe of the movie yeah. in reality but she's also a bit of a symbol in this scene where once their bodies are pressed against one another and they become one then 
his soul is let out of his body. Like, mm-hmm. she is this sort of symbol of goodness and of hope. And I thought for a second, like, do I really need another movie where the sole female character is totally emblematic of this thematic idea? Of the Madonna. Exactly. She's literally. She's, she's the Madonna. She's birthing new life, which will save us all. Mm-hmm. But this is true about every character. Cedric the Entertainer represents the perversion and corruption of the church mm-hmm. through corporate influence. Mm-hmm. The CEO of the Plastic Polluter Corporation represents... Who's so good. Oh, he's amazing. In one the leftovers. I mean, oh, there is more is. than one scene. But, like, but he has that he has one, one that diner scene where he orders but, the fucking apple pie. And, and he's like, uh, you know, and it's sort of a cliche, but it is organic. Which makes me think about all the ways that polluters and Republicans trade in the language mm-hmm. of environmental... Being like environmentally woke, for right. lack of a better term, they know the they know the jargon and they use it. Mm-hmm. So as, as some sort of smokescreen, yeah. very much intended. But they'll pull up in their black fucking Escalade. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Which I love every time that thing pulls up. And they'll ruin the earth with their <laughs> company. Yeah. <laughs> I um. Another thing about the aspect ratio, and I was saying it sort of ties into the the legacy of film and and stories that have been on film for almost 100 years Mm -hmm. and that the themes are tied to all those films in a tradition. It's also true about the church of the film, the First Reformed Church, which is turning 250. Mm -hmm. And that moment where we know that it was a stop on the Underground Railroad, like it has been this beacon of godliness um let me be of just goodness yeah of goodwill towards your fellow man and fellow woman and you know um and the reason why ethan hawk is going to blow it up at the end is because the church the restoration has basically been underwritten by this huge corporate polluter Mm -hmm. so what use does the church have anymore no one actually comes to service it's corrupted it's 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 corrupted it's like the soil of the earth it has a tumor it it, the Pepto and the whiskey. Now. It has it the, the tumor. The Pepto and the whiskey. Oh, the Pepto and the whiskey. I love... That first shot, just the slow, that slow push into the church until it's just a push. perfect symmetrical shot. Uh, I love uh, that Ethan Hawke's from below main task is good to get... Is the, or is it, is the organ fixed? Yeah. <laughs> well, you I fix the, the organ? The detail I love is the bench of the organist has like the, the outline of an ass and sweat. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like turn of the oak yellow, <laughs> you know? I just love that detail. I like when Cedric runs around trying to find <laughs> where um, where Ethan Hawke is when he's Killing stra- himself. strapping himself. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, the way he... The way he carries himself. So well, I think good. as a physical... The thing about Cedric the Entertainer is that he always had this physical presence in his comedy. I mean, his he, he was not a purely physical comic. I mean, mm. he was a stand-up. Like, he's using his words. But he's always not so differently from Nicole Kidman. Like, knows how to use his body in an environment mm-hmm. for maximum comic punch. And I think about him in Chris Rock's Top 5... He was on my best supporting Which I actor. Still haven't that year. seen. Oh, then I won't spoil too much. I barely remember that movie, but I loved oh, it. He's at extraordinary the time. in it. He basically he's in Bowling. he's in one of the flashbacks. The flashback okay. is when Chris Rock's character, who is sober in the film, hits his rock bottom, and Cedric the Entertainer plays the guy who like helps out stand-ups, like famous stand-ups, oh, when they're in different this. like towns for different shows. The guy's mm. like, I can get you girls, I can get you drugs. Like, what do you need? And it is this hilarious but deeply dangerous performance that Cedric the Entertainer gives that 
really took my breath away the first time I, I think I've seen that film twice so it doesn't matter when I saw the film he took my breath away and it's not just a comic performance like he really flexes dramatic chops in that and then if you haven't seen Barbershop the next cut which is the third Barbershop film the Nicki Minaj one I think I've only yeah. seen the first one maybe the second one I, I, anyway I wept no <laughs> through matter. Barbershop the next cut I mean in Cedric, in Cedric the Entertainer who you know, is sidelined a little bit in that film because sort of the whole point of the next cut oh. is that there's gender parity between the beauty shot and the barbershop. Mm. They become one shot, which I think happens in the end of another film. Anyway. Wait. They merge? Yeah. They become one shot. What happens shop. to Queen Latifah's beauty shop? No, no, no. Queen Latifah's not in Barbershop the Next Cut, but it's her shop that becomes part of the Why? titular barbershop. Nicki Minaj is a stylist for mm. beauty shop. Because that was anyway, a spinoff. Cedric though, the Entertainer right? sort of has like this. He's the elder statesman, and he has. And the movie takes place in the south side of Chicago, and it's very much about gun violence, and it's mm. about police brutality, and it's about gang violence. It's a, you know, it's it's not a great film, but it it is. You can't accuse it of not being of the here and now. Sure. And Cedric the Entertainer is sort of the eyes that have been watching the whole thing, right, since the beginning. Yeah, and a lot of the movie, like a lot Malcolm of the, D. Lee, the right? humor doesn't. Hmm? Is it Malcolm D. Lee? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's fact check. Like, a lot of the humor with his character is, like, how he's not politically correct to the women. So, like, that humor doesn't necessarily work. But mm. when he, like, sees... There, there's a character of the younger generation who gets shot. And Cedric, the way that he processes it... And it's not even very showy. Anyway, he's just there the whole time, like a mm. ghost who has seen the history of the place. And so I was really excited to see him in this. And I think that this is probably his best performance to date. And it's certainly what he's been given the most to do. He's not credited as Cedric. Cedric Hines. Yeah, it's his real name. Ooh. And I and I like processed once I saw him in the movie. I was like, oh, because he's one of... He's the third built. It's Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, Cedric, Cedric Hines. Hines before the title of the film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is that? Now I know. Now I know. He didn't want entertainer. He's made the transition. He is no longer The Rock. Mm-hmm. He's no longer The Rock. Okay, I just pulled up the IMDb, and apparently there's a first trailer for Andy Serkis' Mowgli. Yeah, I heard about Ooh. that. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it, but I have heard some things. Oh, boy. Kyle's. Can we... Kyle's. 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 Yeah. Oh, wow. Cedric well, Kyle's. I didn't... I, the font is very hard to read. Yeah. I'm glad is. that you it's looked at very cursive Um... Just I just remember there was a Y was the second letter. Can we just talk about the ending? I want to go into the ending. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, that ending... What happens? All right, so... Ethan Hawke decides to not blow up the church because after begging Amanda Seyfried, don't come, don't come, don't come, she to the, comes. To the, basically... The centennial thing. The 250th yeah. year that the church is... The reconsecration. The reconsecration. Yes, of the church. is the ceremony that the corporate guy is going to be at, so he's going to blow up the, the church. The governor of the state is mm-hmm. there. He's going to suicide vest bomb... Which he took from church. Amanda Seyfried's deceased husband who yeah. shot himself in the head. So he's strapping himself in. He's he's gearing up to go over there. Then he sees that Amanda Seafried is there. So he's like, oh, fuck. So he takes off the vest and then... It's a complete emotional breakdown. Complete mm-hmm. emotional breakdown. Decides that he wraps himself in barbed wire that he gets earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he looks like, you know, a Christ figure. And he puts... He, Wraps himself it's in barbed wire. Crown of thorns. Crown exactly. of thorns, but over his. Put it on his head. It's over his. That would be a little too on the, on the yeah. temple. And then and he covers this. it with a robe, and he's about to exit. And he's bleeding through the robe, and he's pouring himself 
a nice glass full. So what oh, he does? Yeah. So he the character's an alcoholic. He drink he drinks a lot of whiskey every single night. And there's the shot where he picks up the glass of whiskey, which we assume he was going to down right before killing himself, mm-hmm. and then shoves it out onto the ground. And you think it's this moment of uh, renewal yeah. of a second chance for the character that he's decided to actually give this life thing another shot. But then he just fills it up with Drano, and he's, he's about, about to, take... to drink the Drano. Yeah. Yep. He's about to drink Drano, and then in walks Amanda Seyfried, and the... pregnant Amanda Seyfried. There's the who's singing? It's like it's it's it's, a, it's the woman. It's he the woman. It's the yeah, and that's it's her singing that goes over the end of the movie to yeah. black. Mm-hmm. So it's her singing. Amanda Seyfried walks in. They go to each other. They start intensely kissing and embracing. The camera is swirling around them. Swirls and swirls and swirls. It swirls and swirls around them, and then it is a hard cut to black, and then silence and image. Yeah, and then the credits roll. Eventually, credits roll. There's a there's a there's a delay. Long weighty pause. Yeah, there's you're staring at black. You might even call it a pregnant pause. It is definitely a pregnant pause. So. What did it mean for you guys? Well, Ben. Well, so I have a lot of I have a lot of issues with this. Um, I don't even if it's fantasy, which I do think it is not real. If it's real, there's the a Amanda Seyfried part is not real. Of yeah, the whole climax. In oh, my opinion, no, no, same. But, but I want to specify: is she at the church at all? Yes. But oh, she doesn't. I would say yes. I would too. I I I think it's real up into her entering. I think yeah. She enters. I don't she think enters. I think she drinks out. the Drano and dies. See, that's the question. That's what I think. That's, that's my question. interpretation. And but I still have a problem with it because I feel like it implies that there is an an an, an unconscious intention for like. That everything that he has done has been for sexual gratification. Even if that's not... You know what I mean? It is the final no, image of the movie. I, yeah. I, when they, I liked the stylistic ending, but yeah. the fact that it ended on them... That's the one thing I didn't want to happen. Don't yeah, say no, I agree. Don't make same. their connection sexual or romantic, and then it became but that. I, I think that her character is highly symbolic... I think there's nothing erotic about the fact that he's wrapped up in barbed wire. He's just dropped a glass of Drano. Just because they're they're making out doesn't mean that it's sexual or erotic. It's completely symbolic. She represents, like Ben was saying, the Madonna. She is going to bring forward hope and Mm -hmm. a savior into this broken, dead world. All it is is a symbolic representation of his soul merging with hers. That's all it is. I see that, but, but I don't. Why kissing? I don't like that it's kissing. I, I don't I, like. I, I think I, it doesn't I, bother I me, but I understand. Hugging, like intense yeah. hugging. Well, their body. We've already seen their bodies so, like literally pressed right up against one another. Their souls become. So one. what's the next step? But, but here's the thing: the camera lingers on their faces and earlier when they're pressed up against one another. And we notice because we are trained to notice these things in a movie when two attractive people's faces are that close to each other, Mm -hmm. that even their noses are touching. Yeah. And there's a moment where she sort of pulls it back, but their lips are not. Mm -hmm. I think that had like, they laid their mouths on top of one another in that scene. I wouldn't have interpreted it as sexual. And the only thing that, that, like, that's the only parts of themselves that they have not put together for the full transformation. Yeah. And so it doesn't bug me that they're kissing at the end of the movie because that is the final, like, now How, they are completely it is, merged. But it's a How, romantic. 
How are they from, kissing? I don't, is there, I don't remember how they're kissing. But is there tongue or is it just like intense there's, lip There might be tongue. There's for sure tongue. There might it's be like, tongue. I don't, it just, it reads as sexual. But, but, sexual but there's, so again, I don't think there's anything in the scene to be coded as erotic or sexual apart from the fact that they're kissing. The music is not sexy. It's not no. fucking Rihanna. It's saving grace or whatever yeah, that's whatever not what that. it is but it's some hymn yeah sung by a character that we know that the, the protagonist he doesn't really is, like yeah completely non-sexual and and she because she sees him with the glass of drano mm-hmm. whether or not in reality he drinks it we can table that like she knows what he is about to do mm-hmm. so by her coming to like I just don't see it as this grand romantic gesture that saves everything because there's nothing romantic about anything else except for the kiss yeah, the body language just reads romantic. To well, they're they're, just, they're, yeah. they're wrapped up in an embrace. Mm-hmm. I guess the reason I bring up earlier in the film on the Magical Mystery Tour is because we've already seen their bodies in this position, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the rushing of the camera around does not read, like, from here to eternity romance to me. No. It feels, uh, I won't say transcendental because it's not, but it feels transcendent. It feels like a soul leaving a body. Yeah. And so whether or not he's taken the Drano and he's killed himself and this is his soul being released from his body mm-hmm. or he actually has dropped the Drano, which I am choosing to read it as because otherwise I might not wake up tomorrow morning. I, I mean, I'm, it's purely out of self-interest. Oh, I think he's dead. I, I think it's, well, he's going to die. That, that's part of my read is like, if he doesn't drink the Drano, the character is still doomed. It's not like right. the movie suddenly has a happy ending. Right. It's that he decides to be there for her, to be there for the birth of her child, to be, to try and, to try and, the whole reason he wants to blow up the church is to send a message. Mm-hmm. There's a moment earlier in the in the film when he decides to talk back to the corporate um, baron and say and 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 make very smart points about why he is responsible for global warming and why that has nothing to do with the faith he's pretending to have. And there's an there's a voiceover where Ethan Hawke's character says like. I shouldn't have said anything. Everybody knows the person who doesn't speak in the room is the smartest one. Mm-hmm. So I think that that ties back to the reason why he doesn't end up blowing up the church. It's not just Amanda Seyfried. It's not just that she is bringing in this child. I mean, I don't mean literally like her kid is going to save the world, but she's this symbolic figure. Right. That's part of the reason why he doesn't do it. But I think he also has this moment where he realizes like, I will just be the next blog post written about a crazy person doing a protest. I won't have any impact. I think he decides to stay on the earth and actually make the most of his time left, not on his bucket list. He probably doesn't even stop drinking, but to to try and make as much of a change as he can make. Because mm-hmm. that's been his central dilemma is what do I do? My yeah. job my job is to foster hope in this world and to bring people closer together and to spread the gospel. I don't think that's why that's why I was saying earlier, like I don't think it's positioning the question of whether God is dead in the same way that Bergman is in his films. I think his crisis is more a spiritual one where he is going, his body has gone to hell and yet he realizes that the earth is an extension of his own corporeal state does he give is there, in? Is, was it this does he movie, give in or does or is he it one save of the it? other movies I've watched in the past 24 hours that, I, <laughs> that he says there is no heaven and there is no earth, there is only the kingdom of God? I don't know. That's not that's in first, first reform. I think no. that's Jeff Bridges in Seventh Son. Is it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I that. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Um, then that must be in Diary of a Country Priest. Probably. Probably, yeah. Um, but that, because that I, uh, is this like. 
And this, there's a newish interpretation of the Bible that is basically like heaven is a metaphor for how we're supposed to treat ourselves on Earth and how we should treat the planet <laughs> as and, we drink and eat junk food. I know. At the table. <laughs> and heaven nice. is how we should be kind to each other. That there isn't a, an afterlife in the sense of a conscious place that souls go that erases the fear of no longer existing yeah that it is just we have to be good to each other and that's what the whole point of the bible was in the first place and i think that especially in the context of global warming where we're destroying the earth is because we have no respect for our neighbors and it really ties together what ethan hawk is going through he's seeing that this is supposed to be heaven and we are treating it i think that's right creating a hell well it's the garden of eden Mm -hmm. right once once we start corrupting the garden of eden then we're cast out Mm -hmm. and it's that i mean it's except we're still in the garden it's what's on the poster just like just fire (laughs) just the fire just (laughs) fire the earth is literally on fire literally on fire um, and well, just quickly, one element I love in this film, and I think that isn't that subtle, but doesn't need to be, is the complacency mm-hmm. involved in global warming and how man is obliterating the kingdom of God simply through negligence. We like the police officer who comes to the scene of um, the Amanda Seyfried's husband's suicide. Mm-hmm. He's clearly like a good guy. Yeah. He's trying to get all the right information out of Ethan Hawke and is like, well, I guess we should go tell Amanda. And then gets in his car, starts it, and this plume of exhaust just rises out of the back of his car. Yeah. And then also like the the Drano, when Ethan Hawke puts it into the drain and when before he tries to drink it, that is also like a chemical that is killing the earth. It reminded me so much of the aerosols in Todd Haynes' safe. Mm. Like it's just oh, an element yeah. that is always there. Like the the ways in which we are all silently contributing to this problem, yeah. and we're not the people who are the billionaire CEOs of polluting companies. Like right. we're all doing it in our everyday lives, and we're doing it because we're being given access to these easy, these products to make everything easy to do and mm-hmm. nothing to worry about. Like you got a car, you got Drano. Like yep. you can get where you need to go, and you can go where you need to go, oh. and. We've been fed these products and there's, you know, it, it, we become complacent because we don't feel like we're actively doing anything evil. But right. we're still operating in a world that is completely corrupt to the idea right. of preservation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Should we talk about... That just profoundly upsets me. Well, and the I, like, movie... Have nothing to say. Well, I, what I think is great is that this is a fun <clears throat> film we're discussing this yeah, week. This is a fun, fun episode. Um, I have something I want to talk about that ties into homework, and then we can... Great. Like, yeah, well, I was going to ask if you want to talk about Taxi Driver. Yeah, this will segue into that. Something that oh, we'll, great. And this will talk about American Gigolo, and it is part of what you watched. I Okay, I hope that I am validated. Um, something that I love about Paul Schrader's work... And I don't even know where I'm going with this other than I'm going to bring up the topic and we're going to talk about it. Uh-huh. Um, can we talk about Jesus and the last temptation of Christ in this as well? Yeah, we can. I'm sure we can. I haven't watched that in like 10 years. Neither have I, but so I'm just sure all these um, figures can be tied together. The, there's In all of these movies, there is a ritualistic preparation of the body, like Richard Gere getting ready for his date as a whore. Mm-hmm. All of the outfits that he picks yes. up. Yes. I like, love the outfit going montages. of ties and jackets All and of shirts. the drawers. In- Over the Georgia Moroder score. Like practicing taping the knife to his and leg. And the gun mechanism. Putting the gun thing on his arm. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Ethan Hawke is like connecting the wires and the batteries into the sewing up parts of it. Doesn't he like wash his hands or something? Like there's some, Mm -hmm. there's something like that. And there's something very there. These are religious acts. He cleanses. Oh, and then honestly, I mean, I know you're talking about Schrader, but Mm -hmm. there's also a moment in the Virgin Spring where Max von Sydow is about to seek revenge on his daughter's rapists and murderers. And before he does that, he basically says like, draw me a bath. And then he has these birch branches because there's someone in the movie where, like, anyway, I'm not going to go off on that digression, but he's just, like, beating himself with these birch branches in the shower, cleaning himself, mm-hmm. but there's something very violent and self-flagellating about it, yeah. and it's, it is preparation for some spiritual act, whether it's Travis Bickle, like, twisted, mm-hmm. or if it's, I mean... <laughs> I was going to contrast that with Ethan Hawke putting on a suicide vest, which is yeah. in no way twisted. Right. <laughs> right. It's normal. Yeah, totally Very normal. normal. Yeah. A normal um, activity. It just, going back to transcendental style, Woo! It, uh, it just, it's like this whole banality of spirituality. Yeah. And it like gets back to like our beliefs mm-hmm still have to manifest in these, like, minute, concrete actions. Absolutely. I mean, it, I think about John Dielman, and I think about her oh, laying out yes. the fuck towel, uh, or nice. cleaning John the apartment, yes. or, or or making a meal is maybe the best example, and skinning the Peeling. potatoes. And, yeah. And it's potatoes. like, we as the audience have to go through it fully to f- get into their headspace. Exactly. And I think it's really well done. Here I mm-hmm. First Reformed. And I think we only get it in First Reformed in the finale. And I think in yeah. Schrader's other movies, it happens more than once. Yeah. And I love that in First Reformed, it is this isolated, we're gearing up to end our lives and gearing. the world. American yeah. gearing oh. up. I, I basically agree with that. But I do think that we spend so much time in Ethan Hawke's little chapel apartment. Mm-hmm. Cleaning yeah, the even, toilet, even the writing, writing the diary, the writing is there, maybe and, the ritual, and, and, and the desk where. Oh, but I mean, specifically having, getting your body ready. Oh, and right. getting dressed. And but, then, I, but but I think that it, it's sort of a warped version in First Reformed, where he is sitting at this desk writing in his journal, and he is drinking poison that is going to kill him. Mm-hmm. He is pissing blood in the toilet and constantly having to deal with that. He is having to repair the damage to the church. Like we, there is. It's not so much about it. He's he's doing self destructive things, mm-hmm. um, and and then in the church is like you know is sort of preparing that divine body in a way. But I agree with you anyway. So I think that when he finally straps on that suicide vest, at first there's this like placidity to the goings on, and it's only once he. I mean, when we see the vest in a previous scene of him right. deciding he's going to do it. But once he puts on the vest, it sort of feels like an extension of the routine that yep. he's already set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think I think you do see those humdrum rhythms moments. Yeah, yeah. I also so I only again saw the first thirty minutes of American Gigolo, but I think that if you look at Reverend Toller in First Reformed, you look at Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, Joe. I don't remember the, the, G- the titular G- Gigolo of American Gigolo, and then Christ and the Last Temptation of Christ. Greg. These are all, Gary. and again, it's twisted with Travis Bickle. Mm-hmm. These are all characters who exhibit and inhabit some Julian. form. Julian. Some form of purity in a world that is trying to corrupt them. Mm-hmm. It's like Joe, Julian. <laughs> Julian is being corrupted by his faggotry. Well, and he wants to, he wants to like have love. He wants to like have. Can some we talk of- about the 
homosexuality. I mean, Daniel hasn't Chicago. seen the whole movie, although no, in, I don't know. <laughs> best the ver- Golden sure Globe nominated sure best original score. In the very one of the very first scenes, he's talking to the one Swedish woman, and who I believe is like, the I'm, wife in the Long Goodbye. Like, I'm sick of these faggots, and he and she is basically like, "Well, you are one." And there's just like a long pause. Yeah, continues. And then and then when he goes to the first, when he's tricking for the first time, he's like, "I don't do fag don't do or fag tricks or no. king guy that wants to watch him fuck yeah. his wife doggy because but, he wants to watch Richard Gere's ass." Again and again, I've only mm. seen the first thirty minutes of the movie, but he wants to give this woman like tender, loving care. He's met her asshole husband at this point, so he really wants to rock her world and give her this moment of pure pleasure and joy. And he's being very tender, and he's like, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make you so wet. Mm-hmm. And then her husband's like, slap her! <laughs> give her the... Give that C word what she deserves. Give her the old and that, slap. And again, only seen the first 30 minutes, but it's like, that to me, in the like sort of twisted, perverse way, is like Travis Bickle trying to be this like pure avatar of righteousness in right. his cab and he's surrounded by filth in the streets mm-hmm. and, and hookers and whores and, mm-hmm. and gamblers and pimps. Yeah. And in First Reform we have a priest who is confronted with the fact that he's living in a society that is rotting the earth and then in yeah. The Last Temptation of Christ we have a conflicted man who is trying to exact what God wants and to exact his divine destiny but is sort of pulled back by his own uh, his own vices as a human. So that I think that Schrader of the four yeah. pieces I can pull from anyway, Schrader's protagonists see themselves as some sort of whether or not it's a force for good, a cleansing spiritual mm-hmm. force in the world. That they're they're going to sort of like eradicate. They're going to scrub out some sort of stain on the world Seed. around them. Seed, Seed. Seed. Wow. I would say scrubbing some yeah. semen. Can we talk uh, about the uh, uh, first plot keyword on IMDb for American Gigolo? Oh, let's guess. Yeah, guess, please. Well, first of all, what does it start with? <laughs> P? Yeah. Penis? Pubic hair. Oh. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah, that reminds me of Mad Men when, um, when Don and Lane go out for a night on the town. They like go to the Playboy Club or something. Mm-hmm. And they take... Uh, an English man that is a fa- it's like a friend of Lane's out and he the, the friend is married and they show him a good time and then that guy ends up like sleeping with a woman while they're uh-huh. out and then the next day Lane confronts Don and oh yeah no Lane's not there okay. Lane, oh no I'm sorry what did it it's okay it's the guy who works for Jaguar mm-hmm. Lane lands the account he's like I'm going to take him out for a nice steak dinner mm-hmm. and Don's like thank you so much for bringing this client to us, but like, this is sort of my job. I show the client a good time. Mm-hmm. So Don and Pete or whatever, take the guy out and they get him laid. And then the next day Lane is like, what did you do? And he's like, well, I showed him a good time. He's like, he had chewing gum on his pubis, <laughs> which is how he got found out. By his wife. <laughs> chewing gum on um, his pubis. On the pubis. God, I remember that episode. <laughs> That's great. Vividly. Best TV show of all time. Next to the Sopranos. Madman. Um, my favorite part of American Gigolo, which yes. I won't get into detail about because you haven't seen it. Well, it's it. the pubic hair. It is the pubic hair, obviously. The it's, nude it's scene. When, no, it's when he walks into the gay club. Oh, oh well, yeah. And the scene. music is pounding. That scene and it's just, like, operatic. Is... I can't wait to finish this movie. Can I talk about the any of American... No, I won't. You can if you want. I can, wait. I'll There's just, a I'll lot. Just get up. I'll just get up. Do you guys want to talk about it for a minute? I, I I'll just get up. No plot. No, because I haven't watched it in a while. No oh, plot. Just no. Just a stylistic thing. Just a stylistic mm-hmm. thing. There's what? Seventeen fade to blacks. Like what the hell's going on? Do you I remember that? 
No. There's like I was I guess I was There's like seven in a row. I mean that's very Spielberg. <laughs> well, I know that it's like it's o- not that obviously <laughs> obviously Scorsese directs Taxi Driver and Last Temptation of Christ, mm-hmm. but there is this moment of ecstasy at the end of those three films, First Reform being the other one, of frenzy and ecstasy, where we slip into this purely libidinal space or libidinal is the wrong word for it, but you're totally in the id of the character. Yeah. But it's bent in a way that they've deluded themselves into thinking what they're doing is righteous. Mm. Maybe Jesus is a bad example for that. But, like, when Jesus is on the cross, it just sort of flips into this delirium, right? Especially because... Spiritual this delirium. Jesus doesn't think he's doing... Like, he thinks he's doing good, but he doesn't think he's the son of God. No. You know? Yeah. But but there's always this sort of... And there is a fucking religious word that I can't... There's, a, like, a deliverance in, in all of Schrader's third acts, mm. right? I mean, going off of what Brandon's saying with fades, like, that sounds like there's some sort of shedding of a skin and into a new nah, higher weird well, okay i don't know <laughs> i haven't seen the whole film speaking you heard of, it here first folks speaking it's of just taxi weird. driver <laughs> it's just weird um, my favorite factoid about taxi driver is do you know who edited the shootout is steven spielberg get are you fucking kidding me no wow that's a really crazy scene. i love when he shoots his hand and it just oh, spurts God. blood it's so upset. wonderful i mean that's like truly the only like not, I mean, that's, not only, but that's the similarity people are drawing you were never to. Really yeah, it's that shootout, and they scene. had to uh, decover it very differently. The sequence, the blood, because it was they, too red. Yeah, they weren't going to get, or they, they were going to get an X. They were going to get an X rating, and so they had to decolorize. That Me- whole meanwhile, R rated today. That's like a PG thirteen. <sighs> I know. Yeah. Like, oh, someone's hand got shot off. Mm-hmm. Sounds that. like Deadpool. Well, that's a hard R. Yes. Is it? It's a hard R that thinks violence. He gets ripped real. in half. You see Deadpool's intestines. Yeah, but it's a computer image. He was. I think I was, was talking to Matt or Spammer, but I think I was talking to Matt about this. But it was. You know what? No, I'm not going to shit on Deadpool in Brandon's company anymore. No, you can't. I don't give a fuck. We were, Literally every single we were, human on the face of the earth. We were just shits saying that, like, the thing about I don't know if Ben agrees with this, but like, you watch Deadpool, you're going to ch- you're going to have a light chuckle at some point in the movie. It's so joke dense. It's not like 30 Rock where most of the jokes land, but where they don't all have to land because there's going to be a gut. You're going to bust a gut down the line. Deadpool fools you into thinking it's consistently funny because every now and then you're like, oh, that's actually, that's kind of clever. And then you just get a barrage of Of shit. Dick jokes, gay jokes, literal shit. I didn't laugh in Deadpool. (laughs) Well, I remember like in the opening credits when it's like, directed by an overpaid guy. I'm like, that's not particularly witty, but it's... Okay, the credits are cheap. No, no, but but it's like a cheap laugh. You still get a laugh out of it. Well, anyway. If you laugh, you get a laugh. (laughs) Our whole point was like, the whole movie is not worth a Quote Amy Talbot. If that's the movie you saw, that sounds great. I'm going to quote Amy Talbot. (laughs) It's all shit. (laughs) What movie Um, did you see? Can we do final thoughts? I'm fading. Sure. Speaking of um, fading. I do have one one more quick topic I want to bring up about First Reformed. Great. Sure. I know. I, can we just talk for like 15 more minutes about First Reformed? The gift shop. 15? Uh, yeah. I want to talk about the gift shop. right. That up, yeah. And uh, how that ties into abundant life. Yes. Um, I love that he gives tours of the, the ground. And nerds out on it. And, and what? He nerds out on it a little bit. Yeah. History. He loves it. And... He there's the tiny gift wall that they call the souvenir shop, mm-hmm. and it's just 
They're out of smalls. They're out of, <laughs> no, they no, only have small. only small, I think. Oh, no. Because, it, because at this church, there's always like, they don't have the right t-shirts. The organ is broken. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because he's like, I'm not going to talk to those fucking corporate But they got sellers. the one-size-fit-all hats. The one-size-fits-all right. which, which is, so the, I'm so glad you brought this up because that's what Abundant Life does. It's this idea of faith that is one-size-fits-all. The whole, the reason why the priest's relationship is supposed to have meaning is because it's individual. Like the reason why you go, the reason why Amanda Seyfried or Max von Sydow's wife and Winter Light, it's like, can we like have a minute in your office? Like is to have that private personalized counsel. Mm -hmm. And with abundant life, it is this one size fits all You'll idea. never meet with a Cedric prescriptive faith, right? No. Yeah, I, Cedric the entertainment. He is the entertainment. Mm-hmm. He truly is. You would never, after a sermon, walk up to him, Mm-mm. talk to him. Creflo Dollar. He he That's goes him. he goes into some secret door off yeah. the backstage and goes like, into yeah, it's a five. You never touch Rick theater. Warren. You never touch Joel Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five thousand seats. That's it's spectacle. It's yeah. gladiator. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is, and you know I don't. We don't know. Gladiator. We don't, we don't, gladiator. Thank you. Elizabeth we don't know Taylor. if this is one of those churches where they speak in tongues, but right. it is the sort of church that says, "Look at this spectacle. There's yeah. so many people in here. We've got a rock band. We've got big screens. Yeah. Are is you not church, entertained?" Is and, the and, and this plays journey, but it, the right? But the whole band. point is like. How can you look at all this and say God is not in this room right now? Mm-hmm. It's all a fucking illusion. Yeah. And again, I'm not a Christian, but I do think that there's more integrity to the First Reformed Church. Like, obviously, this is a faith that still wants nothing to do with our faggoty asses. Like, I don't feel a part Ooh. of this, but I don't feel like Ethan Hawke's character is a homophobe. Like, I feel oh, like. Did you see what the Pope said today? Yes, but what he that's say? a separate. Con- well, no, I guess this is the episode to talk about the Pope. The Pope said. Baby, Love you were born you this way. That baby, you were born this way. He said, he no said, matter gay, straight, or bi, transgender, lesbian guy, you're on the right track, baby. You were born this way. Thanks. No matter black, white, or beige. Pope Francis. And these are Lady Gaga's words, not mine. Word. Chola or Orient made. <laughs> Directed by Vin Benders. He said, <laughs> in the Vatican Square, you're on the right track, baby. You were born this way. Yeah, but gays on Twitter are saying, don't don't praise him for that bone he threw us. Yeah, are you talking about what Christine Bashan said, too? Oh, maybe. Christine Bashan said the same thing, probably because she was drinking too much <laughs> airport Chardonnay. <laughs> Who produced... Christine Bashan, producer of First Reform. Of First Reform. I was going to say, she just produced something. Yeah, films. Blocker of I Ben guess, MP on Twitter. <laughs> ultimately, like, where I land on the Pope is, I understand that... Even though he is the head of the Catholic Church, there are things that he can say and things that he can't say in terms of this is God's word. This is God's decree. But it's like, I understand the Pope's position where if you were to ask that guy privately, like, where do you stand on poor people? Obviously, his example shows that he ca- he cares more about hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how he lived his life in Argentina. Right. He's Argentinian, right? Mm-hmm. If you were asking about global warming, he would say man-made. If you were asking mm-hmm. on gay rights, he's like baby you were born this way if you were to ask him should women be priests he would say yes like mm-hmm. but i mean and this is all speculation but he can't because there is like a group of cardinals who will slip him arsenic in his drink at night yeah the pope's the pope does speak for god allegedly mm-hmm. you know under this idea so like you cannot 
my whole thing is I think that the Pope is probably a good guy, but I'm not going to freak the fuck out. I, I already think he's a good guy. I just think you have to freak the fuck out because he's the head of the Catholic Church. I, I generally land there. This is the first time, I think because this is where it's the most personal to me, mm-hmm. where he's like basically saying that I belong in the kingdom of the heaven, mm-hmm. uh, the kingdom of God, but he's not saying that explicitly. He's saying God loves you for who you are. Right. But that doesn't mean that you're getting in. Just like he tells women that God loves you who you are, but that doesn't mean you can be a priest. Right. So generally, I'm I'm generally the person who's like, no, you should be freaking the fuck out that the head of the Catholic the Catholic Church mm-hmm. just said gay people are okay. But I think because this one is so personal, I'm like, go all the way. I which am, I know that he can't do. I know, and it's like I'm rare to celebrate the head of any sort of organization especially a religious organization that size but i don't know it's meaningful i didn't know no no i know i know i know it is meaningful i agree agree. there are a lot of gays who are still devout catholics that this will mean a lot to i know you're right i know that you're right and i and i think that it's it's like the worst part of the internet Mm -hmm. that's like this means nothing right but i mean it's the same well, I'll try. I'm not trying to not to think in absolutes anymore because that's also where I immediately run to. Well, you spend too much time on the internet. You yeah. only speak in absolutes, mm-hmm. and it's just yes, the Catholic Church is absolute shit. But yeah. Also, I, but it's I, meaningful. Yes, but I, I, I but on, it means a lot. But to that's a lot of that's exactly the point. Like you can say both are true. Like yeah. you can say why not both? Why not both? Why not both? It's a why not both. So I'm just I'm just speaking up for the other side of it, mm-hmm. even though ultimately I'm a why not both on this. Why not both? So I came back in the hope that I could wrap it up. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, let's see here. I'd be fine to wrap it up. Well, hold on. Let's just... We're at the crisp... We're at a tight 90. Mm. Nice. Love a tight mm. 90. Well, is there anything else? On, I mean, there's plenty more. So do have there's any... always plenty more. I think I hit the topics that I came in with. I, my problem is I've stopped coming in with topics, and then I... I always to... have, like, a little mental checklist, and I think we've got that. I used to, and now I come in, and at the end of the episode, I'm like, no, no, but I didn't cover anything I wanted to. And it's like, well, it's because you weren't prepared, and you just <laughs> ran your mouth about the other things and not the things you wanted I to I mean, about. I talked about what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, two things, two things. Deadpool. One, one thing, I, I love the insert shot of the church, the, the reconsecration brochure, that has all of the faces of all the priests mm-hmm. of the church and it leads up to Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying about the aspect ratio and that's where it becomes explicit. Like, we are very much in line with the tradition here yeah. of of stories that go back hundreds of years. He's one of them. He's one of them. And there aren't that many. No, I was sort of taken back by that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that, and he's only it's, three years into his term. It's like a judge. You're there for life. You're there for life. We can't really... On the day that the Supreme Court... Okay, I can't. I yeah, can't, I can't get that. This movie is so fun already. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to have any more fun. And then it I also is so fun. There, okay, I'm so, I'm back to being that lady, the typing the the lady. I love the shot where he comes back from abundant life and he walks in the graveyard and just a, a tombstone has been knocked on. <laughs> I like it's when like, gotta prop this back up. I like when the organ player opens the trash can labeled <laughs> trash. No, no, it, and it, it's, it's all labeled the, first reformed. So, oh, they, so no one will steal their trash cans. Oh, I thought it was late. I wish it was labeled trash. And he opens it up and just... All those liquor bottles. No, he dumps the trash out. And that bothered me too. Why would you dump out from the bag? Saving bags. I guess, but I just didn't buy it. That, that's a moment of environmentalism. It is. Wow. Love environmentalism. I, so why do... Can I just please say something else? Yeah, what? God. Another thing that ties this... God. Another thing that ties this to Bergman, apart from the almost 
directly Xeroxed copy of the Winterlight plot mm-hmm. is sort of where we started this conversation. The conversation between Drag Race, directed by <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> what? Um, the scene between honestly, your joke was better, and mine was low hanging fruit, but mine got the laugh. <laughs> God Thank damn you. it. Your network, but I'm do, don't, FX. Okay, but don't you think that Ethan Hawke's like barbed wire look is like an especially good like Sharon Needles drag? Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> she would. Yeah, but hold on. Um, fuck. Oh, the scene between Reverend Toller and Amanda Seyfried's husband—that mm-hmm. long ten-minute mm-hmm. conversation exchange mm-hmm. of ideas of just where the bar- globe behind him is just is burning. Just burning. Yeah. And that's, I love that detail. I do too. It's like unsparing. You can't deny it in the frame. But something that ties it to Bergman are these extended, frank conversations of two characters bearing their souls back and forth at one another yeah. and trying to reach some sort of conclusion. Mm-hmm. And that's a, Berg- a lot of that in Wild Straw Babies. Yeah. So much. Wild, wild Straw, straw Babies. babies. <laughs> straw Babies. I told Brandon at the theater, but I didn't tell you that that's something that, like, my friends and I have said for 15 years from like one night we were high at Safeway mm. and straw babies. We got straw, straw babies. When it was the funniest thing, and I've always called them straw babies. Wild straw babies. I, when I sat down at Wild Straw Babies and then I was waiting for Ben, I was like, I hate my seat because. And I walked a, in right as it started. A big head. Oh. Big old head. Get this. Sat down right in front of me, and you have to do this. You have to. Uh, you gotta, yeah. When Bob ben, and Weave, I was it's it, the worst. I was basically inside the woman next to me. I felt yeah. horrible, but Wait, I was what are you like, do? I not, was like, what are you, Brandon? What are you gonna do? Not see the subtitles yeah. to the foreign film? And I was, the subtitles were awful. Wait, when you also physically did, did you also whenever was it one of like the the flashing like no like grayscale? But, but it was, it was like, like it was all white and there was barely any sort of outline. Was this a print? Yeah, okay. there was no stroke, barely any stroke, and there was this whole a lot of scenes were white. It was at the bottom, of a bottom correct? Third and you yeah. couldn't, and you could barely. But read I was it. seriously like leaned so far over on this poor when, girl, when and ben she and would I, look at me like, "Stop." When Ben and I saw me. Cries and Whispers, we sat in the third row. Ben said, "Someone sat right down, like like right in two front minutes of you. into the movie, this mm-hmm. guy just wanders in and plunks down right in front of us." Did you have and, to bob and weave the whole movie? Yeah, but Ben and I were doing the respectful thing. We we're sitting in the front where you shove most of your body down to the ground, mm-hmm. so you can both get a bigger. I'm like leaning away from the mic where you can get more scope of the like you can see the it's full frame the and your head and you're being considerate for the people behind you and i'm a tall boy i you I have even, to do that i even took my hat off well yeah. you should always take your hat off at the movie theater okay well not if it's like stadium seating at the landmark theaters i have so if i go to the movies and i haven't showered if it's like a weekend morning or something oh. and i'm just i'm actually i you was wear so, your boy I was, problems hat. I, was, I wear my carly ray jefferson boy problems hat i was nice. kind of embarrassed running into ben and lauren because i felt like i looked like shit like i, I was like, like very much in scrub. my I like my hair got so stringy by the end of the day when I went to go see Ingmar Bergman's The Magic Flute. Mm-hmm. But I will wear a hat to the theater as soon as the lights go down, and especially the arc light where people are hot. Then once the are light, they? People are hotter at the arc light than they are at the Americana. You know what the you know what audience really gets Russell's my jimmies is the the ninety Mark? plus arc light. Mm. The ninety plus arc light? What is that? Or no, sorry, Limley's? the ninety plus the Limley matinee seniors. The oh. ninety, my entire um, is pretty at the landmark. What did I see recently where it was like eighty plus, and then me, the rider. 
There you um, go. That's shout like, out to the woman at the post behind me who turned to her friend and said, "You have to shut up." <laughs> <laughs> Halfway through the movie. <laughs> Holy shit! Two old ladies that has given me together. the courage. Oh <laughs> That's the new phrase. I never know how to shut people oh up, but God. I'm going to say, "You have to shut up." I think I, I I think a friend of mine from college will probably listen to this, and I hope I'm not embarrassing him. I won't I won't say his name. And if here's a, uh, please know I'm saying this with love. But when we went to go see Anonymous at the Irvine oh, Spectrum, that's classic. That's Roland the Roland Emmerich. Emmerich film about what if Shakespeare didn't write the plays? <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, I forgot film. about the mysterious identity of the quill. <laughs> I forgot that movie. Existed. But there were these. T- we went opening so night good. at the Irvine Spectrum in college. And there were these group of, like, roughhousing teens. I don't know what the fuck they were doing at the Shakespeare movie. <laughs> like, sitting in the front on their phones chatting. Uh, or just, like, I'm sorry, just, like, a few rows in front of us, stadium seating. And we're all, we're, like, group of four, just, like, clearly the movie's not so compelling that we can't look at one another and be like, what the fuck is going on down yeah. here? And at one point... You were christmasina in. I was Christmasina-ing. <laughs> but so, for a shit movie. So, so my friend at one point, unprompted, did not get permission from us from us, Ush. walks up to these kids and goes, listen up, you little shits. <laughs> this is, he, he says like, this isn't recess or something like that. <laughs> this is cinema. This is cinema. All right. Um, Can I share the story of the time right, I was fine. shushed at the movie theater? In oh, like, yes. And then I want to share one too. In high school. God damn it. Seeing them. Is it the Matrix Revolutions? Is that the third That's one? The, the third, third one. one. Uh, there was the like climax, the, the finale. There was like three of us in the theater. I was with my high school girlfriend. Yes, uh, honey. And this woman got up, and I will never A remember her body language, <laughs> like pointing both hands vigorously. <laughs> I don't pay fifteen fucking dollars to listen to you two talk shit all night. <laughs> Thank God this podcast is free, or people could say that as well. Oh my god. I saw Napoleon Dynamite when I was 12 or 13 years old. So this is basically the same year. Yeah, except I was a BB. And and I was... I was like a stupid like community theater faggot who Mm -hmm. thought everything I said was gold, Mm -hmm. which I don't think now. And... Life has been beat out of us. Thank, <laughs> honestly, oh. thank God. We were all, I mean, I don't know if y'all were community theater faggots, but like we were just no. this obnoxious, like <laughs> imagine like in Lemony Snicket, like Count Olaf's like obnoxious troop of theater actors who are like in their 40s and they all think they're hilarious and they're like, ah, 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 we're so funny. <laughs> Doing like Katya Susie Orman there for a second. But like we were like that, but 13 years old. So we went to go see Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, sweet. And we're cracking the. Like, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. I don't think I would have the same. I would definitely not have the same reaction to the film now. And an usher came up to me and was like, We've had numerous complaints. <gasps> you need to stop. Or, stop you will be laughing? A, or you will be ejected from the. <laughs> you were not even talking. You were just laughing. Yeah, busting. Well, it honestly, like, you'd think that we were stoned, but mm. we were, like, 13 and didn't mess with that stuff. I was laughing ever. through every second of it. Performative laughter, probably. Well, I, it was just ah, thing, ah, like, we were cracking ah, each other up. Like, mm. all of our laughter together. Like, that's what was performative about mm. it. Like, just the fact that we were all sort of laughing back at each other laughing. Yeah, but it yeah. was, the movie was killing us. Right. The only time I got shushed was by that fucking homophobic asshole <gasps> before no, that, the that square. No, that we got shushed. We got shushed. We got shushed. Do you want to tell that story? I feel like we already did. We but probably me, and, on the me and Daniel episode. went to see The Square. And Similar to you and I for, uh, first of all, we didn't plan on mm. going together. It was the pre- 
preview entertainment. Like, they're showing, like, the Genesis ad, the Stella Artois oh. ad. They're like, they're like, George Clooney starred in which of the following films uh-huh. about a man who travels in the sky <laughs> and fire people? Is it A, up in the air? B, Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrowland. <laughs> good night and good luck. And Or D, Confessions of the Dangerous Goat. Goat. We all had different <laughs> many, ideas. For I that saw the many Stare Goats in theaters. By oh the way. my god! Didn't so, laugh at that one. Uh, it's not even anything you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing happening. That like there's no nothing, sound. There's nothing happening. The lights are up, and we are just talking in our loud. We're just all, gay. You were lisping. We're gay voicing very loudly about calling by your name. Our wrists are slapping. And he turns around and he says, Are you going to talk the whole movie? <laughs> Meanwhile, the movie hasn't started yet. <laughs> we haven't even talked at any of the movie, yeah. let alone the whole movie. And I just wanted to kill him. Well, it was one of those moments where Brandon has seen steam come out of my ears at moments moments like this in public. Yeah. And this was one of those moments. Yeah. I'm trying to think if they're before one t- oh, that. I've never been scolded for being loud. I'm one quiet time, as a mouse. One time at the, so that we saw the square at the Limley. Another time I was at the Limley before the movie began. I was sitting by myself, mostly empty theater, and I had my legs crossed, like in a very faggoty. Like it's sort of like Amanda Seyfried. You're, you're like Amanda Seyfried and Ethan Hawke's bodies are mm. laid atop each mm-hmm. other, so they become one. Those are my two faggoty ass thighs and legs. Sure. And this older woman, sure, this, yeah. I'm sitting like sort of on the aisle. This older woman walks past me, kind of clocks me with disgust. Sits down right in front of me. Faggot. Sits down right in front of me. Turns back and goes, "Could you not do that?" <laughs> oh my god! She asked me to uncross my legs. Could you stop being a fucking fag? That's enough. Oh my god! That's enough of that. That's honestly the most offensive thing that has been shared tonight. I, no, I was like, uh, sure. Like, it was just so funny to me. Oh, my God. I was sitting in front of these two older ladies. I was sitting behind these two older ladies at Autumn Sonata, part of the Bergman retrospective, but at the Limley mm-hmm. the, the other week. And I don't, God damn it, I've started talking. I don't remember what they were saying. But they were having a chat about Ingrid Bergman. Mm-hmm. And they didn't seem to know... Neither of you guys have seen Autumn Sonata, but it is one of the most soul-crushing movies. Because it's basically just like a single location crucible. Um, that's all I'll say. But they didn't seem to know that they were about to like, be murdered. Devastated. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. I love that. I love Ingrid Bergman. She's so good. <laughs> yes. And, and then she's like... Well, I don't want to spoil anything. Don't spoil it. But she and Liv Allman say some truly hateful things back and forth to one another. Nice. Same. So last thing I'll say, just uh, I just want to put nice. on the record. Same. On the record, I have always been intimidated by Robert Brisson. I've never oh. seen a Brisson film. I've always been way too intimidated. He's one of my favorites. I know, but you know how like one of my most favorites. You know, we all have these filmmakers that we're sort of scared to touch. I mean, that's like me and Bergman. I guess. I know. I was gonna say it's sort of like you and Bergman, and. You know, when I hear you describing this, the transcendental qualities of his film, and when I just hear people talk about the plots of, like, Diary of a Country Priest or mm-hmm. Oazar Balthazar, and it's just, like, very spare, mm-hmm. very existential. Mm-hmm. People just trying to live their lives and not die while every indication around them is telling them that life will crush you to pieces. Mm-hmm. This is very much my cinema of okay. choice. So I'm going to... 
First Reformed might be the film that finally pushes me into the uh, confession chamber with the country priest. Can I share one last thing with you both before we before we conclude? Before we are doing, I'm going to turn my laptop around without without shattering a glass. Well, make sure you don't unplug your mic. No, you wrote it already. Did I not tell you this? I know you were joking. Oh my god! So Brandon just very dramatically, like Cedric the Entertainer in his swivel chair, twisting around away from us. Except he was twisting his laptop screen towards us. Mm. Brandon showed us the draft for Brandon. Why don't you go ahead and plug? What's the website you write for? (laughs) I write for Hypable. Brandon writes for Hypable, and he showed us an article, (laughs) and the headline is Brandon. Deadpool is the only thing keeping Marvel in check. Mm. You. Fuckers. I love you so much. I don't have the words. I just hope you get all of the clicks. <laughs> I love writing clickbait. All of the clicks. Has your boyfriend seen Deadpool 2? We saw it together, sitting next to did each other. Did you both like it? Yes, <laughs> you, we did. You deserve each other. Thank you. I, I like agree. that you said both, we saw it together, sitting next to each other. Is <laughs> <laughs> your boyfriend... Well, Brandon is straight. He likes to have a seat between him and the other man yeah. in the theater. <laughs> Wait, what was your response to that tweet? What if they like it? Well, are we talking about Chris Fowles' tweets <laughs> yeah. on the podcast again? What? Didn't you say, what if they like it? And but then what did, if they like it? And then didn't someone share an image that made me laugh? Chris Fowles shared pictures of the... <laughs> of the girl. Of the girl. The holding her... Heard of it. Heard of it. The heard of it the girl. Of it, the info girl. 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 All right. We and then I said, did you know that up? a majority of straights eat rats while homosexuals <laughs> drink champagne <laughs> Which I, I think is funny. True. Well, take us home. Y- while you take us to church. Dig- to- oh, nice. While you faggots and listeners of faggots, this has been another rousing episode of Movies IMO. This has been the first reformed episode. We've we've gone Please, we've got a lot of places. Maybe we talked about first reformed in different there. chambers of the soul, different sects of hell, <laughs> transcendentalism IMO. <laughs> I'm Brandon Kirby. Oh, um, b- yeah, let's bring it around. Uh, Brandon Kirby, you can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. I'm Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. I'm Henry David Thoreau. I'm about oh. to go hang out in my mother's cabin in the woods Isn't for a while. Bergman does an auto She goes, yeah. oh, <laughs> she still I've her seen. Eyes. Like <laughs> yes. Home Alone. Like, oh. Anyway, I was trying to make a transcendental joke. Oh, and my, my name Sorry. is Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet <laughs> at Daniel Crook with three O's. And you can find Movies IMO With on three Twitter. Halos. Oh, nice. You can find Movies IMO on Twitter at Movies IMO. You can find us on iTunes. Rate us five stars. Consecrate us, If you bitch. love God, you'll rate us five. Actually, no. Because gays listen to this if you hate God. Whatever. Uh, whoever you are. No, well, we're whatever not, you're. We just got we're, we're not, we're not, we're an, not we're, here for absolutes anymore. Yeah, we're not an anti faith show. We're a pro faith show. We, we're a pro love show. We are an anti hate show. I do yes, believe so in the soul. Only five stars. Religion. We love That's love. exactly right. Well, it's like I'm I'm sort of like spiritual. Yeah. But, but actually. When Amanda Seyfried says, I'm the spiritual one in this movie, I was like, I don't bitch. often. I felt. That. I don't often talk about religion because they're. Like, I'm not a member of any organized religion because I would never be a member of any organized religion. Like, it just inherently opens itself to corruption. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have no, I mean, I guess I'm agnostic. I don't know what any of it is, but I do, Same. I do believe in, I do believe in some sort of reciprocating order of, I believe in karma. The universe. <laughs> I know, I was just going to say that. You're just leading to saying you believe in karma. Um, I although after first reformed, I don't know I if believe I believe in, in anything. energy. 
I do believe in it. I believe in like a I universe. I believe in cheese. Mm-hmm. I believe in the universe. Cheat event. Like and an energy. And like yes. there's like a. And I believe that we are all connected through our energy. I actually do. You know, I do. I'm not kidding. Oh, okay, no, good. I believe. No, I believe there's there's some cosmic mm-hmm. woman, Earth mother, something yeah. that like. I actually do all believe all of the souls go back up and they recreate the ozone, Look, as is said in Angels in America. Mira, nice. Mira, sales on film is my god. Mira, that's all I have mira. to say nice. about that. Uh, mira, Mira. Let's bring it back. Claro. Let's close it out with a little bit of a classic movies IMO, Lucrecia Martel soundscape. Everybody pick your best object. Let's do it slowly. Let's introduce it one at a time. Who wants to start? Wow. Oh, no. (laughs) What were you going to do? Amen. Oh. The water. Okay, goodbye. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.